the Ursa's claws. Hello and welcome to episode 135 of the Age of Darkness podcast. Don't forget to like us on Facebook, subscribe to us on iTunes, follow us on SoundCloud, check us out on all the other social medias if you choose, and you can send us an email at ageofdarknesspodcast at gmail.com. And uh, in addition, if you're looking for a sweet, comfortable t-shirt uh, and one of like the three hoodies I have left, Big Cartel, Age of Darkness podcast at Big Cartel. Not like at the at symbol. It's just like if you go to Big Cartel and search H Darkness. You understand what I mean? All right. In this 135th episode, Darren, what do you have for us in the strategium? Oh, it's the big moment, isn't it? We, big moment, yeah. we have been looking for, we have been looking forward to this one. Uh, our excitement for this has been huge. And we were talking about Team Flag Jacket. We were talking about the backbone of the heresy. Ignore your gene enhanced super soldiers or your terrors of the warp or your great primarchs leading huge armies your princeps and the titans we are talking about the humble militiamen with their las rifle the backbone the of all the armies the the, the 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 poor goddamn infantry with their last gun third yeah. rate last gun. <laughs> if you've got a last gun and metal gun. <laughs> you're better off to have a shotgun or an auto gun because it's reliable. It's like the AK of the uh, <laughs> of the 30k millennium. It's reliable, absolutely. So what we're going to be doing tonight is we're going to talk about the militia list that dropped uh, about a month ago now. I think yeah, it is. Like that, yeah. Now let's be honest. People, long-term listeners of the show know that we tend to go into things in 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 a bit of depth. So. Don't expect this to be a single episode on the militia. I think we're going to be breaking it down. I think we're looking today at the main militia rules, particularly third line. That's hilarious. Um, the unit types <laughs> it is, but you know, it suits them. Um, most of tonight's episode, we'll probably be talking about the provenances and we're going to get quite excited about some of them, like the Tauntaun Riders. <laughs> did you, did you find any? Oh, yes. Oh, God. <laughs> All right. Anyways, it's, let's, it's, let's, it's let's the internet. Do... It's amazing. It's amazing what you can find online when you do the proper searches. Uh, I love the militia so much. So much. Uh, so we'll get to that in the strategy. But that's not all, because in Tales of Heresy, we'll be continuing our conversation about Titan Death. Uh, it's going to be the third part of, of the story. And. Ugh. Ooh. It's the literal Titan death, isn't it? Oh, we oh. have reached the actual Titan death. Jesus. Yeah. It gets, it and, gets, it gets, it gets bloody. And we see why he's the war master. We do see, once again, if you need to be reminded why Horus was the war master, uh, Titan death is a great place uh, to see it. But we'll get to that in a minute as well. Uh, before we jump into uh, the strategium. Um, I did have a question for you. You said that you've been enjoying a uh, a 40k video game recently, and it's the first 40k video game that I looked at and says like, man, I don't play a lot of video games, and I'll be like, I kind of need this. <laughs> could you could you talk about <laughs> Bolt Gun? What, what's to say? So, for a certain generation of gamer, they will remember fondly uh, as they refer to as Mark told us on our group chat, Boomer Shooters. Yeah, Boomer Shooter. Yeah, I didn't know that term. I, no, I didn't know that term. I object strongly to that term, being a member of Generation X, not the Boomers, but that's another matter. 
Boomers um, are like in their 70s by now. Absolutely. How many were playing Doom in the 90s? Like my parents yeah. were not playing Doom in the 90s. Absolutely. I mean, once again, Generation X being forgotten, but we're not going to get into that. We're not going to get into that. I've, I've vented my spleen on our group chat about that. I'm moving on. So those of you who remember fondly the games like Doom and Doom 2 and Duke Nukem and that Quake. kind of genre. That was a good one. I remember Quake. that. Yeah. The, the early 90s. Wolfenstein about the 3D. Wolfenstein 3D. Any game where you could shoot Nazis is always a good one. Um, GW, as part of their IP, have got involved in the company. And I can't remember the name of the company for a moment. And released a boomer shooter called Bolt Gun. And to say it's like playing Doom with in the 40K universe is a massive understatement. It takes everything that makes those games a games a complete charm, and just ups the scale. So you can you got a bolter, you got a shotgun. I've just recently picked up a heavy bolter through on my playthrough, and it is amazing. It is so much fun. You can kill cultists by just running into them. You don't even have to shoot a cultist. You can just run through them. I've only bought it a couple of days ago, about three days ago. I and I've not played it excessively but i have played it to some depth and i am thoroughly enjoying every moment of it so if you have fond memories from your childhood those of us who are around that age of playing doom and the boomer shooters as we're going to refer to them get bolt gun because you will not be disappointed i don't know what it's funny that you mentioned it because uh um uh, like the day before you mentioned that you were playing this game uh, it just popped up my YouTube algorithm. I think because I watched a full playthrough of my favorite of all those games, Blood. I don't know if you remember Blood. Yeah, it's like a it's, it's a Doom clonish kind of game. Yeah, but it it was it was it, it was great. You start with a pitchfork and and and, and yeah, I and, know it. I remember it. Yes, yeah. Now you remember. Now you mentioned it was great. It was just a bunch of yeah. like lines like coming from like uh 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 Age of Darkness. No, not Age of Darkness. Army of Darkness and um, that's right. The Evil Dead series and all that stuff. That was my favorite of all. Yeah, I think I'd watched a playthrough or something like that because, like, uh, on the background because I was feeling nostalgic. And so YouTube decided to say, "Hey, you probably want to see this." And I was like, "I do. I do. In fact, want to see this." <laughs> yes. Um, and then you mentioned the after, so like, I, I guess I'm probably gonna have to buy it once I have a minute after marking yes. uh, finals. Yes, I can't do that now. Yeah. That's why I've waited until this week to pick it up because ah, I'm on yeah, half seven this week. So I, I, because I knew what was going to happen when I started playing it, and I wasn't wrong. It's so good. It's so much fun. Excellent. I really enjoy it. The bolt gun acts like you should. So when you hit a target, they explode. Any game where you have exploding awesome. cultists is a good one. But they, yes, slightly off track. But there we go. Um, something dropped just today well um was it today yeah yeah yesterday yesterday oh it was only a little bit of news wasn't it well it's enough to make me just as excited as i was about militia but it is i mean it's little but it's it's fairly epic boo boo (gasps) see what i did no, I, I, I saw what you did, and frankly, <laughs> I'm disgusted. <laughs> I think I want to skip this segment now. <laughs> Excellent. My work here is done. We're going to talk epic, aren't we? Let's be honest. I called it. Everybody said I was wrong. 
Everybody said I was wrong, but I called it. I called it. But like as soon as AT came out, I knew that this is where they were leading because that's what happened the first time. Yeah, it's 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 a simple sales strategy, isn't it? Let's introduce massive titans, set of heresy, because then we only have to produce one set of models. And then we'll add some tanks and infantry. However, there is a big difference this time around, isn't there? Because we're not just getting Astartes. No, um, yeah, that's it's actually really exciting because the first okay, let's go back. Let's go back to back. Uh, let's say when did Space Marine came uh, come out? Uh, eight, like the, the first nine? epic box, like 89. Eight, yeah, so, that sounds about right. 89, 90, I think, because the original 80 is 88, isn't it? The original yeah. 80 is 88, and I think Space Marine, I think, was 1990, I think it was two years later. And that included, if memory serves, uh, Space Marines, uh, Orcs, and Eldar. No, right? the, the original Space, no. No, because the original Space Marine box was just Marines set in Horus Heresy. Well, that's not Space Marine then. No, no, it was known as Space Marine. No, no, Space Marine was. You're right. Your Space Marine was not the first Epic box. No, the first Epic box was just a, was just Marines. Yeah. It had that the classic sprue of two Rhinos or two Land Raiders and a bunch of tactical yeah. Marines. The, the classic spree. Yeah, I think and Space then, Marine came out in like 92. We could have done yeah. research. I mean, nothing stopped us from doing research. No, no doing nothing this. stopped. No. Apart from effort. And then Space Marine was the second edition of that. Yes, the second entirely edition correct. Epic, which came with Orcs, Elder, Marines in a large box with a single plastic Warlord as well. Because I still have a box. It's up in my loft. Because I was a uh. massive Epic fan. I, I think, other than Man of War, Epic was probably the most common game I played in the early 90s. It, it was the best game they made at the time. Uh, Man of War came out a little bit later, and Man of War, by the way, uh, Man of War still stands up. I played it recently with Freddy the Swede. Uh, it is a great game that still stands up, but like Epic. Epic is was the most... way more than 40k or Rogue Trade at the time. Uh, it was really a, a a well-made, ahead of its time game. Well, arguably, Epic or Space Marine, whichever version you went for, and then certainly when you get into Epic Armageddon, was much more of a war game than most traditional GW games of that period. It, it was written much more like historical gaming. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and it's, it's coming and back. It, 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 it's coming back. We called it, we called it, and we were correct. Okay, yeah. so what do we know so far? Very really little. <laughs> Very little. So we know it's the same scale as Titanicus and Aeronautica. No shock there. Why would they want yeah. to redesign all the Titans and the aircraft? So, you know, no shock. Um, we know the starter set is coming with both Astartes, Solrox, and two new, new Warhound Titans. Wait, they're new? Re- oh, whoa, 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 whoa. Yes. They're new? Yeah, they've got they new weapon the loadouts. Oh, well, one of them has a, um, like, an Ursus Claw kind of thing? Yeah, so we've and got... the other one has a missile launcher. Yeah, we've got Ursus Claw, the model's missile the same. launcher. still the same plastic but, like Warhound. Yeah, the same the same chassis is the same, but we're getting plastic Ursus claws, plastic Natrix shock lances, plastic Volkite eradicator, 
plastic uh, missile launcher they did mention for a specific time and a new melter lance weapon for the warhound as well so that's pretty good news that's pretty good news it's nice to see some of those resin upgrade weapons coming up in plastic so that that's good uh, and then for yeah, like we say for the astartes and the solar ox these are obviously brand new sculpts the marines are in mark six yeah I'm kind of waiting for a rage, but when you go back to the original Heresy Epic box, the very first one we mentioned, they were in Mark VI. That is true. That is true. So it, the, the, the circle is complete. The people it was always going to loop back to Mark VI. Of course it was. You don't think these people, like the people, like the designers at GW, aren't like old school fanboys like we are? Of course it was going to loop back a- to Mark VI. Plus, they have a massive archive, and they actually have an yep. archivist. So, I mean, I'd love an hour in there, but that's that's another story which we could come on to another day. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's a dream job right there. Yeah, what what I do find funny, what I do find really amusing, is we're going to get epic assault marines before we get thirty k <laughs> space assault marines. Oh, get over it! So, no, no, it doesn't. There's an upgrade it is, kit. It you can upgrade really. Them. Yeah, it's it's just really funny. But yeah, so we're getting a range of models in there for the Astarte. So okay, let's go. Tactical. Let's go through. Let's go through because uh, we okay, have so little information. Let's milk this bitch as much as possible. Uh, so what do we have here from one picture that we have? Let's break it down. So that we have two War uh, Warhound Titans. We talked about that with uh, obviously a different um, and frankly not very good. <laughs> loadout if you play uh adeptus titanicus well no this is the thing it's not very good loadout for at but we don't know what its loadout is like for titan you're going to want more infantry killing weapons so things like your volkites and your inferno guns i mean volkite um vulcans are pretty good in epic anyway but things like your inferno guns are going to be amazing in epic burning whole infantry companies at a time yeah, that is fair. That is fair. Um, and and that's actually the other question that we have to uh, um, that, that I'm wondering about is 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 to what extent uh, AT and also uh, Aeronautica Imperialis are going to be compatible with this new version of Epic. What's it, what's it called, by the way? We need um, it's uh, Legions, uh, Le- Legions Imperialis, yeah, Le- right? Yeah, yeah, Legions. Or I think it's going to be abbreviated very quickly to LI, isn't it? Like AT. Exactly. I don't think I don't think there will be. I I think. Titanicus and Aeronautica will be distinct games game systems. Um, I think the way you need to imagine it is AI is very much your cartoon dogfight. It, it's very abstract, but you get a bit of detail in it. Um, Titanicus is very much a simulation of being a princeps. That's why you've got such fine detail involved, whereas AT it's your mech warrior. is... Uh, sorry, yeah. Yeah, basically. And Epic, because everyone's got to call it Epic. It's is epic. your battle, yeah, is your battlefield tactical game. So you only need to represent or show what units are capable of doing. You're not showing the finite details of those. Like on the Lehman Russ, you're not going to show what sponsors can do for. You're not going to shoot sponsors at different targets. Everything's going to put fire into his own target. Well, let's start with that. There are no sponsors, and you have, uh, okay. We're going to have to do some guessing because we're not 100% sure. It looks like there's two Lehman Russ Vanquishers and two uh, Lehman Russ with battle cannons. That's what it looks like. Yep. 
Is that correct? Yeah. It, it looks like it to me. Okay, so we have two Malkadors. Awesome. Oh. Awesome. Awesome. Oh. I want all the Malkadors. Does this suggest we can run Malkador companies? Oh my god! Just <sighs> give me an armored company. I just want the Lehman Russ and Malkadors. Uh, that's all I want from this kit. I have plenty of Warhounds. Just give me all the Malkadors. Anyways, uh, so the Malkadors appear to have battle cannons and demolisher cannons. So like the standard uh, Malkador layout. Yep. Yep. Okay, so we uh, we have four Sentinels, I think. Well, these are new. We've never seen these before. These are new in for this set. This is confirmed. Now, this is something that got me particularly excited to be a Solar Ox fan. Um, so these are the Aethon Heavy Sentinels. So Ooh. they've come with, yeah, they come in multi-lasers and rocket pods. So we've never seen these. These are brand new into this system. Lots of people have kind of sat up and went, well, hang on. If we've got these in Epic, does this mean we can also get these in 30K? Especially as the Dreadnought type in the 30k rulebook calls out Dreadnoughts used by the Imperial Army. Make for connection. But yeah, these are pretty cool. They, I mean, this really fits in with the, with the Solar Ox look, doesn't it? Heavy walkers going in supporting your, your Tercios. So that's pretty cool. I quite like those. Looks like they're fully void capable as well. They look like they're fully enclosed. Yeah, that's pretty rad. Um, so you they're, have the about. They're about dreadnought sized. I was going to say they're about dreadnought sized, aren't they? They kind of look like that. Yeah, yeah. So you also have, um, I think, uh, from the picture, four stands of uh, Ogrins. Yeah, Ogrins, the Ogrin HQ. Yeah. So this is still uh, going back to old epic. There's going to be HQ stands. So you're going to have yep. three stands of two Ogrins plus uh, an HQ stand of, I guess, a single Ogrin. If the picture yeah, and it looks and it looks like they've gone back to a traditional way of marking out your command stands by having a banner on them. Ah, beautiful. Yeah, very Napoleonic. Love it. Um, so you're gonna have uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, sixteen stands of uh, solar rocks plus yeah, uh, two uh, command stands. Absolutely. And you can, looks like we've got a variety of those as well. So you've got standard Solarox with LAS guns, but you've, they also did show off some of the Velatari with the Storm Axes as well. Yes. So you, so you can do some of your elite Velataris as well as your command squads. So if you want to go in and. I hate Velataris so much. They're one of the units that I despise the most. They should yeah. not be able to cleave through uh, power armor that easily. No, but imagine an epic because we can imagine we're probably going to get the um, oh, what's the transport for Solox called? Uh, Dracosian, yeah, the Dracosian. Can you imagine a, a bar a load of Dracosians barreling up and then these oh. Stormax guys jumping out. Come Yo, on, just imagine going after like Titans with that shit. Yeah, the, yeah the, the, I mean, honestly, one of the most important things we're gonna have to release soon is a Skatari or actually a Secretary of the guys that actually guard Titans. Yeah, well, that would be interesting because that was something they did mention on the stream was they did say that every army which is currently in 30k will get models for Legion through, through Epic. So we are going to get Ad Mech at some point. My and problem I, with that is that that means that we're probably not going to get Militia. 
because they don't have a model range. Unless they give us Cadians. I hope not. Potentially. But, you know, how much difference is there going to be at this scale between a Solar Ox and a Militia? Apart from Thankfully, the I have a ton of the old... Uh, I guess they kind of look like Valhallans. I don't think they were actually Valhallans, but like the old epic ones. Yeah. But I think this is going to come into a, a challenge I think they're going to have. But we'll, we'll come. We'll finish talking about the box, and then we'll talk about right. more around it. So, so that's the Solar Ox. Pretty solid. Pretty much what you'd expect. I mean, it's typical Solar Ox, apart from new Sentinels, but it's a standard infantry squad with some elites and tanks. Awesome. What more do you what want? What about the Astartes? Just give, just give me all the Lehman Russes. What, what thud guns? Uh, basilisks. Um, but that's what else I want for Solar Ox. Yeah, I want like manticores and what's the big? Yeah. I still have that old big drill guy, not the small one, the big one. Hellbore, yeah, the Hellbore, yeah, I still, the, I the still massive, have one the massive, super heavy one, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yes, this is why because you're going to get a lot of company field. in there, yeah, and it just drills up and disgorges. Anyway, Astartes, right, what uh, do we have from Astartes? Okay, so we have, um, uh, we're gonna have two Sakarans. So one of them uh, looks like it has the accelerating autocannons, and the other one has plasma. Uh, yep. I'm assuming it's going to be a kit where you can like mix and match. You have three predators. I think, I think that will be the same with the um, Lehman Rust as well. Yeah, probably. Um, so three predators. Um, excellent. Um, four contender dreadnoughts. Uh, and um, uh, then you have a bunch of infantry stands. Your inf uh, infantry stands are going to be uh, what looks to be all right, I'm just going to try counting them. Uh, eight regular tactical uh, stands, I think. Two special weapon stands. Two uh, assault stands. Two uh, heavy uh, weapon stands. And two uh, stands of Terminators plus two command stands. Is that, yeah. Does that look about right? That looks about right. Now, what's interesting is if this represents battlefield units... You've got mixed infantry in one set. So look at those. You've got, like, for example, four tacticals, two terminators, and two assault squads in one unit, as it were. So does that suggest, rather than the old epic rules where you had, like, here's my four stands of terminators, here's my four stands of tacticals, you'd be able to mix them in much more like you, Epic Armageddon, I think, started to do that. Yeah, maybe I, I think the, the stands, uh, the like the command stands, are probably able to like um, issue orders to something. Look, I'm just guessing here. I have no idea. Probably yeah. issue well, orders to something no like six rules. inches or ten inches or something like that. Yeah, we've got no ideas about rules at yeah. this stage, have we? So but it, it's, it's probably be... something like that. It'll, it'll probably be less uh, strict than like early 1990s epic and and closer to uh, uh, epic Armageddon. Although I didn't play that one much, like admittedly, I I didn't I I dropped it out of it by that point. Yeah. But but talking about rules, the rules are going to be available outside the box as well. So really, you know, yeah, yeah, they have confirmed. You don't have to buy the box; you can just buy the rules. So for those people who have got old epic armies up in the loft, or the other case, those people who've got lots of three D printed armies already. They're going to be getting you know, get involved quite fast, and I think from a personal level, I think that's going to be one of the challenges GW has around this release is just the sheer amount of three D printing out there and alternative sculpts 
Yes. We know and uh, honestly, I I think that we overestimate how many people have 3D printers and how many people are, are printing. There's gonna there's a ton of people out there, and you guys are wonderful people that are three uh, 3D printing epic armies. I don't think it's enough that it's gonna cut into the profits of this game. This is gonna this is gonna sell the fuck out. It's gonna sell out in two oh, minutes. Yeah. Do you remember what, how difficult it was to get the Grandmaster yeah. box for AT when it first dropped out? I think we're going to have that scenario. I think oh, we're going to have this again. I, I don't know how expensive this is going to be, but it, it's... Uh, okay, look, uh, uh, how do we break this down? I think that... I'm assuming the Solar Rocks are um, with the two Warhounds and then the Legion stuff is separate. That's going to be my guess. Potentially. To make two balanced games. What do, what do you think? Yeah. I, I think the box set is designed like the the um the AT starter set where it's Legion of Sestartes and one Warhound on one side and the Solar Ox and one Warhound on the other side. Well that would I, mean I think that, that that would mean that essentially the Solar Ox have as many bodies as the Astartes and as many tanks as the Astartes. That doesn't I don't know. But it's it's, it's epic doesn't feel balanced. It's it's epic scale. A tank is a tank. Admittedly those vanquishers with their um with with their uh their 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 AT rounds can easily take out a Scarin, so yeah, I I, I don't know. Scale, we don't know. Yeah, th- we, this is it. This is it. We don't know, but the potential is huge, isn't it, for what we're moving forward into? I mean, are we going to be able to see Astartes, which have got a full Orbislissal capacity in them? I mean, dear God, that would be so exciting. Actual little drop pop models. Are we going to see more fee? Are, are, are you headings? concerned that there's going to be like a million reactions uh, against your army again? <laughs> don't, just don't. We're, we're not talking about that. <laughs> we're not talking about that. I mean, I'm moving on. I've moved on. Um, but no, I moved mean, on. To we don't know. Yeah, yes. <laughs> screw, screw this. I want to play big, well, big games now. Um, no, it's, it's going to be really interesting. Are we going to see? units coming out in epic that we don't have access to in 30k i mean like the heavy sentinels for example from so rocks you know are, are we going to see things that you know in, in back in the 90s epic a lot of the vehicles we now have in 40k have their origins in epic oh in i would love like to see some of the the weird um like chaos stuff you know like plague towers yeah. and shit like that yeah all the old demons. Because they're, they're, they're in the, the old... Terra series, the Plague Towers. Yeah. All the Cornate Demon engines yes. that we had. Because there, there was a whole raft at one point about all the demon engines for all the different factions, wasn't there? Like Corner had all these weird scorpion like things um, and blood flamethrowers. Slanesh had walkers. Nurgle had the Plague Towers and Zinch had flying beasts, didn't they? They, they were basically what. Yeah, well, basically what... Also, the Primarchs. The Primarchs, the the first time the Primarchs... um, Any Primarch was in any Games Workshop game was an Epic. All uh, four of the cult uh, Primarchs were in Epic. Yep. Good old ape-like Magnus. (laughs) Ape Magnus. (laughs) Ape Magnus was awesome. But, like, Grim Reaper Mortarian was great. Yeah, I mean, his aesthetic really hasn't changed an awful lot, has it? And Angron was very much... Here's your typical medieval devil kind of look. 
Fulgrim was an amazing sculpt for the time. Absolutely, very much yeah. Snake Man. So, so you know, but oh, does this mean we're going to get all eighteen Primarchs in epic scale? Why not? I mean, this what, is what's we, so cool you... about this, by the way. And and yeah. and for those that say that sometimes we we stop being a thirty k podcast, this is thirty k. This is a thirty k game. That's what's so awesome, and, and definitely yeah. we will. Oh, can you imagine what you could do with Sanguinius? Like how majestic like that model could be. Yeah. Or just have it's... like Rogodorn with his like you know command. Um, because again the the the, the HQ spruce. I'm 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 gonna assume that the non-demon Primarchs are gonna have um several models on their 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 stand. I would imagine There's so, some really yeah. cool stuff there. And let's kind of focus on this because if they're releasing this box set, that's gonna be all plastic. They look great too. The models look phenomenal. Yeah. I mean, the level of detail. Now, now having put together some aeronautical stuff, aeronautical imperialis, some of the bits can be a bit fiddly. So some of my, I I do have a few concerns about how many components these kits are going to come into for building. Because building a couple of AI planes, which are fiddly, you don't mind because you're not using many planes. If I'm building an entire tank company, I don't want to be spending hours building one tank. So I think that that there's something there to consider. I never had I mean, that problem I'll... with uh, with AI. Um, and honestly, you bring up a really good point with why are there not why why are why are there uh, not any aircraft in this kit? I think if it's been like previous versions of Epic, aircraft have always added an extra level of complexity to the game. And I think if this is intended to be a starter set. Starter sets are intended to just get you on that first fix. Ah, I, I would have thrown a couple of Thunderbolts. They're the yeah, perfect scale. This is why we knew Epic was coming. Yeah, but, you know, it's easy to pick up a box of Epic um, Thunderbolts, isn't it? Yeah, that's, that's true. It's easy, it's easy. You know, you go and you pick up your starter set and you pick up a box of Thunderbolts. There you go. Problem done. I'm going to pick up, pick up my starter set and I'm going to pick up a Thunderhawk. There, I'm done. But the first time now, we what, ever saw a Thunderhawk wasn't in th- uh, 40k it was an epic yeah but it was a box <laughs> the, the original metal thunderhawk in epic was a flying brick with two stubby yeah. wings do you remember it's the game the um bombers on the sulfur river yes and there is an ai mission that recreates it which is amazing really <laughs> yes awesome. yes there is an ai mission that recreates it now this is going to be something interesting moving forward isn't it think kind of thinking ahead is how are they going to release it are we going to get like a company box for starters? Because if do you remember the nineties um, epic, you bought here's my tank company, yeah, or here's my infantry company. So are we oh, going yeah, to yeah, get yeah. this? Can we... I'm I'm assuming they're going to do that. Yeah, I, I really hope so. I really hope so. The art on those old boxes, though, like were so great. Uh, that was one of the what was best that? things about Epic. It, it was like iconic, the, the old it? company boxes, like because right, you had that like amazing old art, like. Um, that one with the uh, the chaos uh, space marine, like the coronate one, like just uh, shoot yes. his bolt gun. I, I you the, know what I'm talking. The about. Wayne England one, yeah, the Wayne yes. England, yes, yeah, yes, the Wayne England one was yeah, particularly nice. I always liked the Orc and Elder one with the uh, Elder yeah. ones fighting the uh, the bad moon orcs. That was a classic one for me. They really used um, all the best art for Epic. Oh God, yeah, absolutely. Now I think. The other thing to kind of focus on here as well is in the big scheme of things, this is 
Epic is what the heresy battles are about. Let's face it, when we're playing 30k, we are playing a firefight of a particular larger battle. With Epic, Which it just so can... happens that all the primarchs are in that one part. Just, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. All but the names with characters Epic, just so happen to be in this uh, in that skirmish. one particular area. Yeah. Yeah. But <laughs> Epic, we're going to be able to play an actual heresy battle. You know, we can have companies of Marines removed under artillery fire. We can have entire tertios of solar rocks wiped out by an Astartes assault. You know, we, we're finally getting to that stage where we can see the sweeping majesty of an epic battlefield. I'm and, and this brings the, the, the golden dream of a heresy campaign weekend closer. <laughs> we, just, we just need one more game system one more game system, and we've got the perfect recipe for a campaign weekend that we've dreamt of the heresy for years. Hashtag B- BFG lives. Yep. So you've um, got your initial fleet action. You can do your orbital drop, uh, your initial epic battle. So you've got your established your landing zone, your massive epic. Then you zoom down to a special ops mission on a 30k battlefield, and then you seize the enemy bunker in a zone mortalis game. There you go. The dream the dream is coming. Oh, no. Uh, 30K fans are eating well tonight. This oh, is yeah. incredible. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, we, we've been getting some nice stuff for Heresy. And I think, once again, this cements Heresy as a gaming setting. Yeah. You know, we've got 30K. We've got Age of Darkness. We've got Adeptus Titanicus. Technically, we also had an AI campaign book for heresy as well so you know this 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 adding to our smorgasbord of heresy gaming i am uh, one of the things i'm most impressed with uh for this is that um when they did titanicus um like the original version the 88 version and the 2018 version one of the reasons that they 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 said it in the heresy both times was cost reasons so you don't have yeah. to make a bunch of gargants or phantoms um, or things like that or whatever the fucking Necrons have or whatever. Um, right? So you can just have like each side has Warhounds, each side has Warlords. Uh, uh, so you can get a, you can get away with that. So I would have thought the same thing would have happened with Epic, but no, they made Solar Ox, which means that it wasn't so much a question of heresy here wasn't a cost cutting uh, measure. No. It really is taking uh, being taken seriously as a setting. Absolutely. Because like you say, if they wanted to just get it out as a release, they could have just gone, here are two mirror forces of the Astartes with yeah. Warhound types. Yeah, they didn't do that. Uh, no. I we have the Lehman Russes. I want all the Lehman Russes. Yeah, Anybody out there, done... if you don't know what to do with your Lehman Russes. <laughs> it does make me wonder if they've done so rocks to scratch the non-Astartes itch to start with. Maybe. Because the problem is, yeah, I'm I'm assuming they're gonna release some Cadians or something like that. But it doesn't matter. I want an armory but, company. I just want to do like a full. Because you used to be able to do that with that uh, with Epic Armageddon. You yeah. used to be able to do a full armory company. I just want like Lehman Russ. You used to be able to do a full super heavy armored company. Yes. Companies of three. What was it? Nine. I nine am never seven. gonna financially recover from this. Yeah. Three. Three. Three storm hammers trundling along quite happily i, I, I guarantee you one of the first thing they're going to come out with is going to be like a bane, uh um a bane blade 
uh, or the Beyblade uh, Shadow uh, variants. Shadow Sword. Shadow Swords, yeah. So there's going to be probably a, a, um, a Beyblade kit and a, uh, um, a Fellblade kit. Yeah. To, to do all the yeah, variants. They're going to roll out the Super Heavies quite quick, I would imagine. I would imagine they would roll those Oh, out. give us squad blimps. Oh, there's so <laughs> much weird stuff. Well, the squads exist this again. Can you, I think the one we need to be kind of excited by is Ad Mech or, yeah, the Mechanicus. Because can you imagine some of the weird ass vehicles that are mentioned in Siege of Terror? Oh my God! Like the eight <laughs> vehicles that the. Oh, yeah. For those that have uh, that have not read Lost in the Damned. Yeah. Go back to our episode about Lost in the Damned. Um, yeah. The Admech essentially, uh, sorry, the, the, the new Mechanicum uh, essentially has a <laughs> eight distinct, um, completely different weird vehicles uh, that they deploy on Terra into yeah. an octet. So- because there's no there's no subtlety in this universe. No, no there isn't. No, but you know this is, this is it. Some of the admech stuff we can get, or some of the mechanical stuff we're going to get at that scale, like the equipment, vehicles, and so on. That could be amazing. Some of the bits we're going to get from that, because you know we we used to Solarox. Solarox are your Imperial Army, so we're used to the kind of vehicles they're going to get. We're used to a starting vehicle. What we want to start seeing is some, like you say, the weird stuff like the mechanic can produce. And also just having artillery where it makes sense uh, uh, on the scale. Basilisk artillery makes no ways. sense on a 40k battlefield, right? You know what no. I mean? Like on a, a 28, uh, 32 millimeter. No, because um, you're in danger close. No yeah. <laughs> it's danger close. You, you're calling it on your own position. Whereas in Epic, having a company of basilisks along sense. your back line and just dropping hot lead on people. Yeah. This this is the way. This is why I was like guard in Epic because you could just go and here's my artillery company <laughs> one and two, and here's my death strike missile company as well. Oh, we're eating yeah. good tonight. Oh, it is good. It's ha- it, we knew it. We knew we called it. It's happening. There's a lot of potential, and for me as well, I think having Epic Solar Rocks offers up some possibilities for plastic solar ox in 30k because that's definitely happening yeah i think and also i said at the time when lever imperium dropped you looked at a number of options in that arm list that currently aren't available in the resin line i said at the time i reckon we're going to get plastic solar ox at some point i'm thinking this is a step closer towards that i'm not saying it's this year i would really love for it to be this year but i do think we're going to get plastic solar ox in the next three years in fact, I'm, I'm nailing my colours to the mask. I'm sailing. I'm nailing my colours to the mask. Plastic solar rocks in two years. There we go. All right. So we'll by the time this correct. episode uh, drops, we were correct about <laughs> Epic. Uh, I'm I'm sure yeah. we're going to be correct about that. I, I, I absolutely. Um, I I think that what will be required, like to be honest, is uh, solar rocks and uh, a codex for 40k. Um, if mm. Some uh, why not have solar ox in 40k? Well, absolutely, why not? Like, uh, you're not gonna get any arguments for me. Yeah, just uh stick him as as a part of the uh the uh Astro Militarum. Yeah. Because yeah, like 30k remains like a niche product. Uh 40k is still the main product. Um, people hate you know, we, we we always wish it was bigger, but at the same time, we always kind of like it that it's not. Um yes. Yeah, but that's a different discussion. 
yeah, <laughs> exactly. But I, I think plastic or locks is going to depend on it being um, a something that you can use in um, Astro Military in 40k. That's anyway, yeah. we're not talking about that right now. I think you're right. Nice. I think you're right. Um, but like, what more can we say? Like, epic, we're getting epic back. It's back. Yes. And coming soon, August release, apparently. I'm never so, going to financially recover from this. Also, uh, Games Workshop, um, get on BFG, please. Yes, now we've got, no, there's no excuse now. No excuse now anymore. Epic. There's no uh, excuse anymore. Now we're got too epic. busy working on Epic. Well, it's too, Epic's done now. Epic's done. Get on BFG. So, it's done. BFG is the next one we want. We want our Glorianas. We want the Conqueror. I want the Iron Blood. Are you telling me you wouldn't pick up a Conqueror? I mean, I'd probably pick up with ben. with with the Ursus claws at the front. Are you telling me you wouldn't? Obviously, I would. Yeah, yeah. of course, would. Anyway, Team Flag Jacket. We've talked about them in Epic. We need to be talking about them in 30k. So, shall we move on to talking about the true heroes of the Heresy Battlefield? Yeah, let's move on to Militia. And here we go with the strategy for today's episode. And we've been waiting for this moment for well, ever since version two has come up, because long-term listeners of No Show should realise or should know that deep in our hearts, as much as we might like the gene-enhanced superheroes of the Astartes, you can keep your custodies and their Dark Age of Technology gene works. You can even keep your solar auxilia. The true heroes of the heresy are Team Flat Jacket, your standard human with a lasgun. If he's lucky, he's also got a shovel and he just upholds the fight and keeps the true horrors of the universe at bay. We are, of course, talking about the Imperialist Militia. JP's first love. I've got a massive soft spot for them at all. We know the Armalist has come out. So what we're going to be doing in this episode is having a long look through. And this settle back. I, this is going to be a long one, isn't it, JP? Oh, my God. We're going through the whole thing. So if necessary, we'll split it up. But uh, we'll, we'll see where we get. Because we, yeah, we're, we're talking about this. We're talking about every nook and cranny. Um, the Imperial Guard yeah. is my first love. Uh, I... Uh, I my 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 first army. Uh, I I've been running Valhallens, the old metal Valhallens, since Christmas 1994. This is this is what this is what I I I want to do. I'm always like hesitant, and I obviously my 30k army is the most Imperial Guard army of all the legions. <laughs> so this is just yeah. I'm yeah. so excited. I'm so excited. Uh, before we get get going, you want to do like a general. Like, what is your first thought, like yeah. globally, like your global thoughts about about those this list, and and what's your experience well, with, we, with with the guard? I think before we talk about the actual list, let's let's clarify what the militia are and what the militia are not, because I think that's also quite important. Yes. So the imperialist militia are not imperial army. Let's get that quite straight 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 away. The militia are literally what they. The, the true meaning of militia is it's literally civilian troops probably forced into some sort of combat or very low level poorly trained state troops and bear in mind the worlds of the imperium cover everything from feudal societies through to death world tribal groups all the way up to very highly advanced technological organizations like we've seen on some of the primark novels for example what the militias this represents are those 
as they referred to, third line. If you've read the um, Lost and the Damned heresy or Siege of Terror book, these are literally the people that are hoovered up to filling gaps. They literally need to hold the line and hold off threats to their world. So it's basic, minimal military training. What the list also covers are cultists. So those shadowy groups often set up by organizations such as word bearers, for instance, that are, or out of the Alpha Legion as well. Although you'd help the Alpha Legion set up better. But the cultists are basically your typical low-level frothing extremist groups is the best way to describe those. Now, what the militia list also allows you to do is some of the more abhuman forces. So it does include options for Ogryn forces. It does include options for beastmen. And go back and listen to our episode on Lost of the Damned because the beastmen were one of the things we were most excited to see in that particular siege of Terror Book. And it also allows you to do squat forces as well because they all cover a range of abhumans, which, going back to Rogue Trader, were always considered part of the Imperium but looked down upon because effectively they are mutants. And the Imperium does not hold to that very well. JP, is there anything else you want to add about the background of the militia? I'll add one thing. Um, is that There is one group that you forgot, is that there are professional uh, soldiers in here. The thing is that there's a professional soldier and there's a space marine or a sol- or solar auxilia, right? Uh, the, these are professional yeah. soldiers on a, uh, on a one-to-one level against a similar force or against other uh, human be- uh, humans. This would be an incredibly powerful fighting force. It's just in the wars of the heresy, considering the utter insanity, the utter devastation that, um, most of the force in the heresy can create even a professional force, even a force that have been fighting for generations. Like the old hundred regiments uh, are, are just our third line. <laughs> yeah, their third line. Absolutely, they, they just can't. To use one of our favorite Star Wars quotes, they can't stand up to firepower of that magnitude. No. But okay, if <laughs> right. we could just start with with the global impressions, because uh, I'd like to. Yeah. To, to to maybe uh, uh, bounce off of 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 what you were talking about. Um, at the end of the day, I love how they made the militia worse. <laughs> they, yes, they, they, <laughs> and this is one of the things. One of the themes I think that we're going to be talking about um, in this episode is that, uh, and it's not like they were overpowered before. They were they were underpowered before. But they've made such, and this is one of the things I love about this new edition of Heresy, they've, they've made such a massive um, gap, uh, such a massive difference between uh, an Astartes and, and an ordinary human being. So they made Astartes, on the one hand, more survivable, uh, more powerful in, in many ways, and they've actually toned down a regular human being. Um, so now yeah, you can I think, really see the difference between the two in a way that's not true, I think, in any edition of 40k I've played. The Imperial Guard have always been yeah. excellent and perhaps too good compared to Space Marines. I always thought that you should oh, you should make Space Marines more powerful to make that distinction, but uh, Imperial Guard have always felt... When you read the novels, the, the Guard seem to perform better on the tabletop than they should and probably have less bodies on the tabletop than they should. And this fixes that, and that's yeah. awesome. I think that's a fair, very fair point. I think one of the main things you need to realize is going into a militia army, if you're going to start a militia army or add militia armies or allies to your force, 
is you need to recognise that they're not probably going to be on the table at the end of the game. You, you know, you, you play an imperialist militia army because you love their law, you love how they fit into a narrative, you love how fundamentally you're playing the underdog and you are going to be massively playing the underdog. Even a very unoptimised legion list will tear a militia list, not to shreds, but it is going to punch holes in it and a mechanical force is going to, just going to be with automata in it is going to be horrific against the militia force. So you need to recognise that. So what is the, what is the attraction about it? So I think from my perspective, I think it's the modelling aspects of it. And I think with a new militia list we're seeing, I think the modelling opportunities have got even larger, even compared to version one. They've clearly written this list to fit in with all the updated GW kits. And we're not just talking about the... Imperial Guard, the Astra Militarum, new kits like the Rough Riders or the new artillery pieces. We're talking about Necromunda kits. We're talking about kill team models like the Arbites models, which we've recently seen, uh, the new squat models. You can even use some elements of Age of Sigmar models in there as well, particularly the new Cities of Sigmar stuff that we've been seeing a lot more of, because they do really stress in the law in this armor list about they can be wearing chainmail or playtime it's a feudal society so this is a modeler's dream the original version the v1 version of militialist was a modeler's dream as well i think v2 has opened up even more i i agree What's with big you, attraction but i also think that this version and i and and i think that we all know that this version was put push back we were supposed to get this uh last summer and i've been frustrated ever yeah. since um, I even ran my Valhalla's as Solar Ox, which did not feel right at Adepticon, but uh, this was pushed back uh, so that it would come after the new Cadian uh, kits. Are they clearly? Yes. Uh, and I think there is a distinction because the first version of the army was a little bit more open. Um, for example, they didn't have Augurans, they had whatever you want Augurans to kind of represent. Um, and now you have Augurans. Uh, and I, I do feel that it's more specific to Games Workshop kits, uh, which I think is fair. Uh, I've told the story uh, many times, um, but I was talking to at the last. Was it the last Horse Heresy uh, weekend or the one before the pandemic uh, when I was there with you? Uh, and and I, yeah, I was. Yeah, I was, that, was, that was the final one. Okay. 2019. So I was playing a game with Miles against uh, Freddie and Pele, and uh, we, and Anuj. Uh, who was still with GW at the time? He he came by and was chatting, and and so I was talking about like militia list, like uh, why, we need more options. We need we need an updated militia list because even then, like in 2019, we needed it, or 2018, we needed an updated militia list. I was talking to him, and and he he told me it's like well, as long as you're buying the models, I mean, we'll make an updated like we I, we can sell an updated list as long as people are buying the models. And then I looked to my army, which was completely made up of models that I got in the 90s, um, and I haven't. <laughs> All metal Valhalla's just like, oh man, I'm not helping, am I? So that's fair. No, but it's I think fair. I, I think it is fair. But there were also some options in the V1 list, like Rough Riders, for example, that weren't in the original list, so we had no incentive to buy anything. But yeah, when, it, when it's the, a standard the, the old guy, models, I mean the the uh, the the the, the um, Attilan Rough Rider models were not available at the time, so I think that's probably why they weren't in yeah. there. This is it. So. That's a background to the list, and that's kind of initial views. Um, in terms of gameplay, before we we dive into it, 
JP, what's what's your gut instinct? I think, honestly, and and I think it was Mark that re- that remarked on it, and I think he's probably right. Um, some armies are. This is going to be really good against some armies. Uh, Fury, uh, Fury of the Ancients lists are going to have trouble with them because they don't have enough attacks. I will talk about in a second that they fixed the biggest problem with the, with militia when we get to um, um, to the when we get to uh, militia squads. I will I'll, I will talk how the uh, I will mention how they fix the biggest problem. Right now, it just looks like this is going to be utter chaos. Half your army is going to be running away, and the other half is just going to be <laughs> just sucking up. All it's going to be frustrating to play against. I think if you really go with max bodies, because uh, a lot of armies. Uh, custodies, they're not going to have enough attacks to actually take down all these squads. There's just going to be too many bodies on no, the table. It's, Do not it's play this classic. as an elite force. You can you can make this an elite force. I don't think it's going to be good as an elite force. Just fucking no, lean no, into the bodies. Enemy at the gates, buddy. Yeah, I'm, Terrible historical the, movie, but great 40k movie. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It, it's that whole Napoleonic army kind of feel, isn't it? It's 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 sharp from Napoleonic. You just just throw bodies into a mixer. Some of it will last. Some of it will get through. Um, oh, I forgot what else I was just about to say. It, it's like you say. It's that also that concept of you can bring more than they can kill. It's the typical old Warhammer fantasy goblin army trick. It's just like, yep. well, my my troops are rubbish. You haven't got enough attacks over the game to kill every single one of my models. Yeah, try killing all these skaven slaves. You can't. Yeah, yeah. It's that classic quality has a quant- uh, quantity has a quality all of its own, isn't it? Yep. So, so if you're willing to invest, start- if you're willing to paint a lot, this is going to look so good on the table, and and this is exactly what it should be. And again, they've made them generally worse, but more numerous. Yes. Yeah. So let's talk. Let's start breaking down into the list. Then let's start talking about okay. how um, the list breaks down. We'll talk about units, but I think we need to start with how are they making them worse, which is actually using subtypes, isn't it? So this yep. is a new thing in the new edition. So things like the heavy subtype, for example, or the anti-grav subtype. What we have in the militia list are three new subtypes. We have the militia unit subtype. That's very common. You have a third line unit subtype. That's mostly on your armored vehicles. And then you have a mechanized unit subtype, which really is actually only on your sentinels, isn't it? So, JP, do you want to start with a militia subtype? Absolutely. One quick note, and and um, I think it's a it, it's a fun, flavorful part of the list is that if you're running any abhumans, uh, they're not um, trusted allies. They're they're distrusted allies for uh, yeah, legions. No one likes and, no no one likes a filthy mutant. Yeah. So if you if you want to run your squats, and you can. You can run your squats, you can run your beastmen, but uh, your uh, ultramarines are not going to be happy about it. And also, Legion of Custodes treat them as by the Emperor's command, which, again... They hate everyone. (laughs) Yeah, great, great touch. Okay, so the Militia unit subtype. Uh, Again, this is one of uh, the the ways that they made them worse, but we'll explain how it's balanced out. So um, the first thing... Is that uh, if uh, more than half of the unit has been uh, um, uh, has taken casualties, so like your regular militia squad will be twenty guys. If ten of them or like eleven of them are killed, they cannot regroup. <laughs> they fall back off the table. No. So like those old goblin armies, going. right? At least they don't cause panic. No, <laughs> that was the thing with the old goblin armies. Once it starts fucking melting, it melts. 
it, it melts fast. But yeah, at least with a militia, they just go a unit at a time. And yeah, exactly. You know, some of you may be thinking, some of you who are used to Astartes armies out there may be thinking, yeah, but it's quite hard to chew through eleven models in a militia list. No, it's not. If yeah. your opponent has brought a Volkite, that is a war crime. <laughs> yeah, that's such a good point. Yeah, they'll get they're gonna get torn apart. But anyways, so that's the number one thing. That's pretty bad. Um, the other thing is if they're already falling back and you get charged, the whole unit's just removed as a casualty right there. Which I think is yeah, a good thing. Because honestly, I would encourage my opponent to do it just so that I don't, I don't have to like spend as much time like moving stuff off the table. It's like dead anyway. You just kill it. Absolutely. And, you know, we need to recognize the difference. Normally, in a, in a standard game of 30k, if you're falling back in your charge, you can make a leadership check to prevent that from happening. The only difference here is militia don't get that leadership check. If you are playing militia, please bring, bring unit trays. I think is a big thing that a lot of your opponents will so, ask yeah. you to do. Don't, don't don't bring them moving models individually. Please don't. Don't be that guy. And the third thing that happens is if you're already in combat and uh, your militia unit is uh, charged, then you have to take a leadership uh, test. And if you fail, then it just falls back as if you lost the combat. Yeah, yeah. And and your opponent can declare a sweep in advance yeah. because you fell back. So the chance and, and again, the, sweep, the, the, sweeping advance, the, the, the sweeping advance would count as a charge, right? So... <laughs> Sure. Yeah. Again, if it's already falling back, that means it's just oh, Angron is going to kill so many militia. <laughs> I'm going to get PTSD. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, we need to recognize that that rule doesn't apply if you also have a monstrous traits or the mechanized yes. unit traits as well. So if what you're your Ogrins, they will stay. Uh, Sentinels can also hold the line. You can use your Sentinels to hold the line as well. So that's that's one of the big ways that made the militia list softer shall we say, is through that subtype. And, you know, let's let's be fair here. This is all dependent on leadership checks. And as we'll see in the army list later, there <laughs> are some ways... <laughs> yeah, that is a problem. But there are also some units in there that can yeah. help mitigate some leadership issues as well, as well as some provenances. So it's not disastrous, but don't assume your troops are going to hold the line particularly well. Yeah, but at the same time, I, I, I love it because, yes, if you're facing the Sons of Horus and you're just a dude with a stamped metal auto gun, you're probably going to try to run yeah. away. I think that is a Absolutely. reasonable, completely rational <laughs> thing to do in the Wars of the Hair. Well, not even the not even Sons of Horus. Can you imagine um, the uh, Space Wolves? Going into a, yeah. a unit of traitor militia. Or again, it would just be as Imagine bad. Angron's running at you. Yeah. Yes, you melt away. You're done. Or any world eater. Would you want to stand there and watch your friends seeing that happen? No, you're going to disappear. Right. Let's talk about the third line unit type. Now, if you have read the book, uh, the Talon series of books by John French, there's an amazing scene in that book where they're breaking out all the old armored vehicles and they go down but into the bunkers underneath Talon itself and they're pulling off all these dust sheets and these plastic sheets and they're literally trying to jumpstart all these vehicles which, which have been put into storage. That is what the third line unit subtype is. It only applies at the moment to certain vehicles and we'll get to those when we get into the actual list. But basically these are vehicles which are either older designs or no longer in active service or for some reason, they are no longer fit for frontline combat. Maybe they've got stress fractures. Think about um, Galactica in the final season when it's got all those cracks in the hull because it's been had done too many jumps and too much damage. 
Oh, did you find the it's that kind of thing? Oh, yes, yes, I did. Well, off air, we'll chat because that was your first time going through it, right? Okay. Yes, I watched the first couple of seasons. No, no, we stay on target. Stay on target. Right. So, what does a third line unit subtype do? It's really simple, and once again, I like the fact it's simple. So, if you have a unit with a third line unit subtype, and a armor penetration roll would normally cause a glance and hit. So that's let's make sure listeners are aware. That's where your armor value is equaled. Normally, a glance and hit just removes one whole point of you, and you just carry on like normal. With a third line subtype, it actually causes a glance and hit instead. So you're going to potentially explode or lose a weapon or be stunned. However, there's an upside to this. You can The enemy player can never score victory points for any models with a third line subtype. So you could have several Lehman Russ and a Baneblade because it does also include Lords of War. And, you know, they are still dangerous vehicles. They are still carrying the weapons that a Lehman Russ or a Baneblade can carry. The enemy is going to have to invest to destroy those, but they don't get anything in return for destroying those. But they are going to die much quicker than the Solarox equivalent. Yeah, that's fair. And the other thing with uh, third line is it, it's not necessarily, it could be something other than than old equipment. It could just be like quickly manufactured equipment. Like when the Soviets in 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 in, in uh, the Great Patriotic War in World War II, they, um, the T-34 was an excellent tank. Um, it was the best tank of, of the war, uh, almost certainly. But the stuff that there was coming out in 1942 in particular, they were rushing the design. Um, if you look at the mold, li- uh, like the, the, the mold lines, uh, sorry, the weld, uh, yeah, the mold lines, the well, yeah, <laughs> talk weld, the weld, weld lines, lines. the yeah. welding, uh, that was done. It's like completely haphazard. It's just like, well, this it's because they were trying to get them out as quickly as possible. They're, um, I think the transmission used to, uh, w- was so rushed, the transmission used to break down after just like 500 kilometers. But the Soviets made that really like cynical calculation that. There's no T-34 is going to last long enough on the battlefield for this to matter. Uh, whether or not we 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 make an effort at at having you know um, at, at making this as good as as it can be, like taking the extra time for it, it's not, it's still going to get knocked out after a little while. So it could just be rushed equipment. Um, uh, these third line uh, this third line stuff uh, again. I think it's just it's flavorful. Um, uh, it's it, it it encourages you to take a lot of them, which are going to be deadly, but they're also glass cannons. Yeah, they really are. And we'll, we'll talk about that when we get onto that, that unit profile. And then finally, we've got the mechanized unit subtype. Now, I do, do laugh at this one because this is a better written set of rules than the <laughs> Armaga subtype. <laughs> but it still has one floor. I have picked up one floor of it. Oh, really? Let, let's okay. talk about what it... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's talk about... so. A bit like Dreadnoughts in this edition have now got a standard infantry style profile. They're no longer a vehicle profile. They've done the same with Armagers we've seen as well. And they've now done the same with Sentinels. So they have an infantry style um, profile, but clearly they are vehicles. So to represent that, they have a mechanized unit subtype. So JP, do you want to talk us through a few things that happen with a mechanized type subtype? Yeah, so you can uh, re-roll Poison and Fleshbane, obviously. Fail to hit wounds uh, that, that have Armor Bane uh, must be re-rolled. So you're more likely to, to take wounds if the weapon has Armor Bane um, and less likely if it has Fleshbane, obviously. 
You can attack with all your weapons with a shooting attack, and that includes part of uh, as part of a reaction. Uh, you could fire heavy and ordnance weapons on the move, which makes sense. Um, you're affected by Haywire Detonation Battlesmith, as if you had the Dreadnought uh, unit type. Nothing else can join a unit that has the mechanized unit subtype. Yeah. Now, the reason I say this is better than the Arnica subtype is because there's one single bullet point where it says that a model with this subtype is affected by Haywire Detonation and Battlesmith. Oh, that's not the case for the Armaga. Because fun- no, Armaga doesn't have that, yeah. so you can't use Haywire weapons against it. Melt bombs don't affect Armagas. Um, so all, all those things are, which are very clearly anti-vehicle don't work against Armagas because they don't have that subtype. They don't, they like don't have that one bullet point in them. Yeah, it is a massive oversight. And everyone, most people I've seen play with Armagas say, we'll just count this as the Dreadnought for those type of weapons because it's the, it's the easiest way oh, to solve fair, it. Yeah. So it's nice. It's nice to see that the Forge Royal team have responded to that with a mechanized unit subtype. So, yeah. So overall, it, it's an interesting subtype, isn't it? It's not amazing, but it just represents those very, very light walkers. Right. Warlord traits. I There's some interesting ones here, aren't there? Yep. I would say that there's two of them that are definitely, well, definitely like way better than the other ones. But they're all very character. Yeah, I, I, it, yeah, they are very characterful. It's nice we've got a good range. There's six in total, which is more than we normally get for a Legion. Um, interesting that they actually get Warlord traits because the Solrox didn't. So that's an interesting thing. Yep. And even did Custodies. And also, so, um, you know, it, it, it's the same ones, right? They're different, obviously, but it's the same, uh, pretty much a uh, uh, table uh, in, in the last edition. Um, just they've changed what they are. Yes. Yeah, but what's nice, obviously, in the new edition is you get to choose your warlord trait, and it allows you to build you your could theme before. or you'll build your narrative around it. You could, you, but you had to pay points for it before. That's right. Yeah, you had, you to, had to muster. Uh, it was a muster of worlds. No. Yeah, um, you had to pay. Uh, oh, it, it was something. Yeah, something like that. But you had to pay points. Whereas now, obviously, in the new edition, you get to do them. So, shall we work through? Because there's some. Let, let's read them all first, and then we'll talk about which ones are our favorites. All right. Well, I can start with Ruthless Tyrant because that's the one that I always used and that I intend to keep using it. And I don't think, I don't know if it's better, but I love it so much more. It's so great. So now, if you take Ruthless Tyrant, your warlord causes fear, including to your own troops. <laughs> so your own guys yes. <laughs> are affected by his fear bubble, which is just so great, but makes so much sense, especially in the context of, of my own army and the, and the narrative behind my own army. <laughs> um, that yeah. Morzhev, my my force commander, would have would cause fear. Um, and if um, uh, a, a unit that's uh, that's in his fear bubble uh, falls back, <laughs> then you can uh, roll a d6, and that many units, uh, that many models, um, is immediately removed with no damage mitigation. And then they count as normal. So you can actually stop them from, from running away, obviously, by shooting them. And just add that to yeah. the Discipline Masters. And there's a good chance you're going to fall behind that 50% threshold pretty quickly. Yeah, but they're not running away. Because they're not, exactly, he's... they're not falling back. Um, like, <laughs> yeah. this, this is one of those ways that you can you can mitigate the uh, uh, the, 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 the the half-strength uh, units uh, keep falling back. If, if you're not falling back, you can have two guys that are too scared to run away because of the combination of Discipline yeah. Masters and the Ruthless Tyrant. Love it. So yeah. good. So, this is how so you savage. hold up. Yeah, this is how you can hold up Dreadnoughts. Yeah. 
It's oh, just like, yeah. no. My, you don't I'm have more, enough attacks. I'm more scared. I'm more scared of my own commander than I am of this 12-foot-tall armoured monstrosity bludgeoning my yeah, friends. That's how you keep yeah. them in no, combat with no. Angron. <laughs> yeah. Do, do you yeah. want to die yeah, gloriously yeah. against Angron, or do you want to face my... Like, <laughs> what are you going to do? You're dead either way. Yeah. You might as well be a hero. He, oh, it's so he has the. I always imagine this. He has the teacher look from across the room. The, that, that look that only teachers and mothers have. Yeah. <laughs> fear let's be clear what a fear does for people who aren't so sure fear and then you have a number in brackets so in this case fear one reduces your leadership unless you have um, either fearless or stubborn or in inexorable i think reduce doesn't reduces fear as well um so you know that that's quite a big thing especially if you combine it with night fighting which also reduces leadership as well so you know it's not a bad trait, and it's everything within twelve inches, so it's quite a, a quite a big bubble. Oh, you also get a reaction, don't you, with that one? Uh, Trivia soft phase, you get extra re- uh, reaction. All of the Overwatches, because you don't want to hold the line with militia; yes. <laughs> they'll run away. It's not a great idea. <laughs> <laughs> right, Merchant Prince Lin. So this is quite a nice one because this could represent rogue traders. That that's why oh, yeah, I yeah. I take this one. This could this could be a nice rogue trader So. All the weapons possessed by the Warlord get the Mastercrafted special rule because he can afford all the fancy gear. And then before any models are placed into the battlefield as part of deployment, you can place the Warlord into a unit and that becomes known as the Lifeguard unit. It has to be entirely the militia unit subtype, so you can't have a monstrous unit or a mechanized unit. So no Ogrins as life models, as lifeguards. Lame. And all models... All models in that unit gain the heavy subtype if they don't already get it. And they can re-roll all fail-to-hit rolls of one. Um, made in any phase or as part of a reaction. So, you know, re-rolls in heresy are really rare. So for them to be able to get that, that's um, not bad. You know, that that's quite a bonus yeah, unit. Is, I think it's really, really cool. Um uh, but uh, you, you were mentioning that this would be good for uh, rogue traders. I agree. I I, I, I can imagine this being excellent for because lifeguards. That's like a Napoleonic or even a pre. This would be a modern era, right? Uh, uh, like an 18th century kind of thing. Uh, you you could do uh, like if you want if you want to do Napoleonic, you could do it as 17th century wars of religion lifeguard. You had yeah, lifeguard units absolutely. We also need to bear in mind that the warlord has to be in that unit as well. So he will gain the heavy trait himself. Heavy, remember, means you can't run, but you do get to re-roll blast life, uh, your armor saves against blast weapons. Not that you're probably going to get many armor saves with militia, but we'll come on to that anyway. Um, and you get a reaction in the assault phase as well. Could you take a, a heavy weapon squad with this? Yeah, because it says may select a single yeah. unit under your control. So it can be anything, as long as the warlord goes, the warlord has to go into that unit. Because that would make sense, just so, directing fire yeah. as as your bodyguard of, of last cannons. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't ha- it doesn't have to be a, 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 the usual yeah. kind of command squads or anything. You you could put them in a massive unit of 50 leather if you wanted to. <laughs> I wouldn't recommend it, but you could do. That's all to hit. Uh, does it have to be with a, with a ranged weapon? No. 
No, it's all failed to hit rolls made in <laughs> oh, any you could be, oh, you could make an elite unit like 50 beastmen that are all re-rolling to oh, hit. Beastman, it, beastman bodyguards. Oh, beastman, god damn it. Oh, it's so great. Beastman okay, let's move on. Sorry, sorry. Didn't mean to okay. distract you. <laughs> See, and this is what... This is what you're going to have to put up with in this episode, listeners. You're going to have to put up some of all 75 armies that we're playing. <laughs> <laughs> right. Okay. Let's move on to the next one. Beloved of the people. Uh, this one again. This was in the original one as well, but I think it's it's I think it's better now. Uh, so essentially, if you want your warlord to die, because if he dies, he inspires everybody um, to redouble their efforts, uh, like uh, Colonel Shaw from Glory. So, or James uh, Wolf, we were talking about James Wolf. Yeah, we were talking about James Wolf. Uh, but the, the the battle was 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 over by the time Wolf uh, finally had the good sense to die. Unlike Moncam, who uh, unfortunately like stuck around for a couple of days. But honestly, any battle where both commanders women uh, with both commanders die in the 18th century is a battle that didn't go to plan for anyone. Anyways, so uh, if so, uh, this is one of those that you're going to want your uh, uh, warlord to heroically charge from the front and immediately get taken <laughs> as a casualty. Um, and then um, all other friendly models in your detachment are going to gain plus one of their weapon skill and strength and field of pain four plus until the end of the warlord's next controlling players. Um, uh, until the next, uh, the end of your next turn, uh, which is going to be a while. So that's going to include your opponent's turn as well, um, which is just uh, so you're going to keep that four plus for your entire army. Um, uh, you can also make while he's alive, you can make additional reactions during the shooting phase, and when he dies, you can make an additional reaction during the opponent's assault phase. This could be really good if you time it right. It could. Yeah, it's it's all about time. And bear in mind, with reactions now, he's also likely to die in your own turn. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> so you 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 could potentially get these bonuses of plus one weapon skill and strength and feel no pain four plus for two of your own turns. Oh, man, you're gonna have to be that's a good point. A skilled player will be able to take advantage of this and possibly have a death. Yeah, can I mean, you imagine this with like with an Ogryn charge? Like remember, uh, oh, uh, so is it Solar Macarius that had? Um, no, it wasn't Solar Macarius. Who had the uh, the Ogryn bodyguard? No, it was oh, who? Who was the Imperial Guard character that had the Ogryn bodyguard that was always with him? Um, and 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 the Ogryns oh, all. I can't remember. Uh, the Ogryns all loved. Imagine like an army of Ogryns, or, or even of 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 cavalry, and you plan that out right that he dies, and then you get like imagine an Ogr a full Ogryn charge. With plus one to weapon oh, well, skill and strength, they're gonna have like what would the auger strike like six? Jesus, six that'd be plus brutal. whatever weapons you give them as well. Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, my mind went straight to uh, straight away to be Rohirrim have a battle of Pelennor and when yes. Theoden dies. So you could put your warlord into a uh, rough rider unit and have him charge in on your turn, and then go. Oh no, he died because I allocated all my all your attacks onto my character. Yeah, never so mind. Are going to be anyway, like six plus their hammer of wrath, plus whatever weapons they yeah. have. So nice. <laughs> oh, we got to plan it right. Yes. You got to be a skilled player. You got yeah. So that's you and I out. <laughs> Pretty much, I'm sure. right? I know people that'll take advantage of it. Right. The next warlord trait is Marcher Lord. So this represents something on the edge of the known galaxy. It's on the edge of the Imperium. They've been self-sufficient, uncompromising. And what you get with this is the Warlord gets battle-hardened one. So in that means in terms of instant death, he counts as one higher toughness. 
don't get that excited. He's still taken out by strength yeah. seven and above instantly. <laughs> yeah, it's it's on a starties, it's amazing. On militia, yeah. If they're in a army that only has detachments of imperialist militia, then all friendly units are immune to fear. That's huge. So if you come against the demons of a ruined storm army or a night lord's right, army, yeah. they just go, We we sh- we know no fear. Tough. That that Astartes unit over there may have ran from you at night. We don't care. And as long as your warlord has not been removed from it as a casualty, you can pu- automatically pass the first pin-in test without any dice being rolled. So as soon as you have to take the first pin-in test, you just pass it straight away. Every and turn. you, you get every a free turn. reaction every, every turn. And you get a free reaction in the shooting phase. Now, for me, if I was a Night Lords player, this Warlord trait would really piss me off a lot. Yeah, considering how good the Night Lords are going to be at flaying militia. Yeah. Yeah, but not not one led by a Marcher Lord. Everyone no. else they've murdered, but clearly the Marcher Lord's been used to being preyed on by Drakari or something like that. <laughs> it's just like, no, we've seen worse. Yeah, I like that. I like that. I think it's a good one. I think it's a good one. <laughs> yeah, it's right. Okay, we've got two left of Warlord traits. Yeah, the Connoisseur of Alien Curios. This is always one of... I've never used it, but it's always one of those that I really liked in, in the original version. Um, so essentially, you have, like, artifacts. So this guy, like, he's a collector, like like most of us. Well, all of us, really. And so he has a bunch of weird artifacts. So essentially, at every turn, you get to open an artifact. <laughs> it's like opening a pack of magic cards, seeing what's inside. Um, so if you roll a 1, so you have to roll a d6. If you roll a 1, you take an automatic wound. Uh, with instant death and no armor saves or any other damage mitigation, you get taken invulnerable. So, uh, yeah. Anyways, not great. Your, your refractor field will save you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> all other models. And it's not just him, though, is it? Uh, all other uh, units with at least one model with 12 inches, which is going to be a lot of units for this kind of army, uh, including his own uh, uh, unit, will suffer D6 plus one hits at strike to 8 before. So, it's going to blow up. Essentially, you just open you just open the Ark of the Covenant. Yeah, and then because of a militia trait, everyone starts running. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so this, don't roll that one. Just you, I, I, I'm just saying you probably shouldn't. So on a two or three, uh, you can nominate a, 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 a one unit, friendly or an enemy, within twelve inches, and within line of sight, and that unit suffers d6 plus one hits at strength eight, eight four, which are count as having defragate. If no other yeah, unit can, quite, oh, that's... you must, yeah, you must nominate. If no other unit can be nominated, then the warlord is part of the, um, then uh, the warlord himself takes the hits. So it could be yeah, good. Yeah, that's quite pokey. That's, that's a bit, that's a bit nasty. Straight yeah, face. Like you know, though. It's not going to hurt death. Astartes. Well, you don't know. I mean, it's, yes, they're going to get power armor saves on it, but if you they fail any of those armor saves, that's an instant death hit going that's through, true. which is then going to cause more deflags. So... I yep, wouldn't rely right. on it, but it's good. It's going to scare something. It's going to scare automata. That's a good point. Yeah, it's one of those things that, that. It, it, it's it's a good risk because who cares if one of your units takes d six plus one hits, but if your enemy's unit t- it's it's way more valuable against the enemy than than yeah that penalty to yourself. Yeah, you know, because you know you've got more units. Yeah. <laughs> you've got more units to fill in the gap. Well, if you play, yeah, if you make this army correctly, I don't see how you don't. <laughs> Imagine being outnumbered yeah. and you're running this army; it'd be ridiculous. Um, 
because you could do that with like solar ox and that's another reason that i think this this these modifications of this list are just fantastic anyways yeah. if you open your artifact and you roll a four or five you rip out you rip that pack uh the warlord and all models in the same unit gain rage two and furious charge two for the remainder of the turn not bad Again, that's not bad. If you're running this guy with uh, cavalry uh, or Ogrins, he I can't go in Ogrins. Yeah, because yeah, he hasn't got a monstrous trait. But yeah. but so, in the cavalry unit, that could be a bit disturbing. Although they won't get a benefit of a rage trait if they're using lances. True. And if you roll the big six, the warlord gains eternal warrior and feel no pain for the remainder of the battle. If this result is rolled again, then you get a plus one to your strength and toughness for the re- remainder of the battle, and this is cumulative. If you can just pull out the, the plus ones, you're going to be able to... Well, I don't think you're going to take on a Primarch, but probably take on a Praetor. Um, more because of a toughness, I think, because you're going to get tougher and tougher to win. But I, you, once you, again, I wouldn't rely on it. It's the Eternal, the Eternal Warrior will piss people off more than anything, I think. It's rule of six on the first. Like, oh, I've got- see that. See that you roll this five times in like a five turn game. You like some mad luck. You roll this five times. Your guys gonna have strength eight, toughness eight, eternal warrior. Feel no pain four plus. I. It's not gonna you happen. You can only go but- to maximum six. <laughs> no, but you can only go up to a maximum six. Oh, boo, boo. Yeah. I don't like this one. But that does mean you only have to roll it three times. The number of the beast, and you get a uh, movement reaction as well. Yeah, that's good. That's all right. And then the final one is Robber Baron. Which makes, this one makes me smile, this one. So <laughs> all models in a unit with a warlord gain a trait of plus one to their strength on any player turn when they make a successful charge. Great. You know, plus one strength, puts them up to an Astartes level, and then depending on what other weapons they may have, that could get even better. So, you know, it's not bad. However, they can't make sweeping advances. But why not do I hear you cry? Because when they roll a sweep in advance, instead of rolling that sweep in advance, they have to roll a dice. And on a four, five, or six, you gain D3 victory points because they're robbing the dead of any nice, shiny <laughs> objects. Okay, <laughs> let me pause like... at something. Let, let me throw an idea at, at you. Okay? Do you remember in the Bad App War, the Corpse Takers? There was a yes. unit called the Corpse Takers that would just like be, uh, they would get extra victory points uh, from uh, destroying... Uh, enemy Astartes units because they'd be stealing the, the gene seed. Imagine making a militia yep. force that are all like under the command of like the Emperor's children or something and and their entire purpose is just to like steal gene seed and bring it back to like a Fabius Bile kind of character. Yeah. Yeah, I like it. Or your army is so badly equipped that you're doing this to gain more equipment. So yeah, that can work if, too. if you're doing this as part of a campaign for each time you successfully roll those D3 extra victory points, next game you can upgrade one of your units. I think that was just really good. And plus you get an extra reaction yeah. in the movement phase. Yeah, which isn't bad. So out of those six trades, I mean, you are very much a favor of Rufus Tyrant, aren't you? You you love your idea of shooting down your own men because they're more scared of you than they are of the enemy. Again, um, my army is a caricature of Enemy of the Gates. Again, Enemy of the Gates is a terrible uh, historical movie, but a great 40K movie. Um, I love it. Um, I literally tried to find to name my character, like the 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 leader of, you know, my 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 force commander. Uh, um, I, I literally tried to find the worst <laughs> Soviet NKVD agent I could find, <laughs> which was Vorozhev. I tried. I, I, I'm like worse than Beria. So yeah, I, I it's the one I used before, and it's the one I, I I intend to to keep using. I think it's great, and it really fits with the kind of really 
the dark millennium that I tend to gravitate to. Maybe it's I'm a horror fan. Yeah, I, I do think I do think a militia army does reflect the player who creates them, doesn't it? So it's in a horrible way. Yeah, maybe yeah. I should probably see therapy. Yeah. Yeah, I think a lot of us in this hobby needs to personally. I personally like Marcher Lord. I I like that self-sufficient aspect of them. I'm I'm a huge fan of Marcher cultures as well. And it's just for the fact that they ignore fear. They ignore that one pin in, in a turn. I just love the idea that a whole load of never born turn up and the Astartes are going, oh my God, what are those? And these militia are just going, we don't care. We've seen worse. Yeah, like a Lucifer Blacks or some of the uh, the, the the better yes. of the old hundred uh, regiments, Marcher Lord. Yeah, fits very well. Yeah, um, and and yeah, that's a great one. But honestly, I think that the most powerful of these is probably Robber Baron. If you if you make that army correctly, D three victory points. Colossus, you're going to get yeah. your normal victory points if you if you're playing like an attrition kind of campaign. You're already going to get a victory yeah. points for uh, point for that. And the best part is that. If you design this right, chances are your opponent's not going to get any victory points for destroying your units. Attrition's yep. going to be insane. I think that might be the most yeah, powerful I, one. I do think so. I think if you were going into this in a competitive mindset, and I'm putting that in very loose inverted commas, if you were wanting to gain this as a much more serious as opposed to narrative army, I think Robber Baron is one you play around because you can just go for soft targets to gain those victory points. And also, like, I was just thinking about this, but um, you know the corpse grinder uh, cults from Necromunda. You know they have all those saws and yes. everything like that. Wouldn't that be perfect for like yeah. a robber baron army? Yeah, so absolutely. Do. So cool. Yeah. So now we've gone through the warlord traits and we've gone through the subtypes. We're now finally ready to start talking about the actual unit types themselves, the units themselves, and clearly we're going to start with HQs and you have to have a force commander now, don't you? And there's one key reason why you're always going to take a force commander is because he gives you something called provenances. Now we'll come on to those in a moment. Now, one thing that I've really liked about this island, this, I don't know what you think about this JP is I love the fact they are now giving us separate profiles for a lot of the um, character units, either as on foot, or mounted. So you do have the option to create a lot of mounted forces <laughs> in this. I mean, there's not much difference. It's just a movement change. Is and that they what you're going to do? Bonus rules. Because I know you already bought um, uh, Rough Riders. I do only have Rough Riders. No, my my infantry commander, my, my militia force commander is on foot because my militia are based on light infantry. So my Rough Riders are okay. recon and scouts. So my commander's not with those. But yeah. Shall we go for his profile then? He is more expensive than he used to be. However, you no longer have to pay for provenances, whereas you used to. So I think I do think it balances out. I do think long term it balances out. Shall we go for his profiles? Because you know, compared to an Astartes, it's not that impressive. I'm surprised he has movement six, but I guess that makes sense. I thought they were going to make it like five or something. Um... Uh, for humans, but he's got a regular human stat line plus weapon skill four, ballistic skill four, uh, leadership eight, big leadership eight, which is huge for this army yeah. because, as you'll see, uh, as we discuss it further, uh, leadership is not their strong point. And he uh, comes equipped with uh, uh, last pistol, 
uh, refractor field. So he comes uh, with a, uh, well, a last pistol or auto pistol. So yeah. I do like the fact we've got a lot of options in war gear in this. So depending on what models you're using to create. So if you're using a lot of the Necromunda models, they do come with auto pistols. That's true. So, you know, you do have, and when we look at the weapon profiles later on, I think there's some tough choices to be made between things like last pistols and auto pistols. So, but yeah, carry on. So frag crack grenades, uh, basic close combat weapon, and flak armor. Uh, he's got these special <sighs> rules, independent character, muster of worlds, and provenance. Yeah, good old good old flak. <laughs> yeah, that's what we were talking about before. So you used to have to pay for both muster of worlds and provenance. Muster of worlds uh, got, uh, allowed you to choose your warlord trait, and provenance was... Um, no, provenance was automatic. Muster of worlds you used to have to pay for. Yes. So you yeah, always so couldn't have the provenances. Means- yeah, that was you like could always have those. Too. Yeah. yeah, so, you know, they, they were quite pricey. And I think, because everyone always did buy those anyway, didn't they? You never bought a Force Commander without those elements. He does have quite a lot of options going through him in terms of war gear, doesn't he? Now, let's go, Let's go. one thing I will say, going back to flak armor, obviously we're used to flak armor being that typical Cadian-looking armor. One of the things I like in this armor list is they describe it as looking like anything. So it could like could look like chainmail or plate armor, for example. So there's a huge amount of modeling variety in here. However, bear in mind, it's a 5-plus save. Even a bolt gun is going to ignore that save. <laughs> so unless you're going up against other militia, assume you're not going to get a save. But you do have the option to take uh, carapace armor and power uh, or power armor. You still have the yeah. old option of taking an iron halo and a cyber familiar. So that's going to give you your three plus and vulnerable. That's what uh, a lot of us used to do in the old edition. Yep. So it's, you're just going to be running your three plus and vulnerable and like don't even bother with anything else. Um, and you have a lot of options for weapons, bolt pistol, chainsaw, turnable saber, uh, uh, blast no, turnable weapon. Oh yeah, oh, so you could take it. That's you, right. Yeah, yeah, take an axe or a spear now, or glaive, awesome. I should say. So I'm just going to give you plus one initiative. So you're going to go at the same time as uh, as the starties. A basic starties. <laughs> that's bad. <laughs> <laughs> and only in a challenge. A hand flamer. That's fun. Uh, plasma pistol, power weapon, power fist, um, and and a lot of these are really cheap. Like power fist is only going to run you 15 points. And that'll allow you to tap out a um, a legionary. You're gonna um, can you instant death? You can't instant death a legionary, but no, because you're already going up. It'll go through his yeah. It'll go through his power armor. Um, damn it. Yeah, you'll wound it on two though. That's okay. But he will be punching you in the face before that happens. Yeah. Also, you can stick him on a horse or a dewback or a tauntaun or yeah. whatever you'd like for twenty points. Oh. Don't say that because you could have a whole army of Tauntaun riders. Don't <laughs> tell me that. Star Wars Legion, though, they don't they have Tauntaun? Star Wars Legion now? They they really do. Absolutely. Oh my god! Do. And then you could use then you could use Wampa models as Ogrins. Oh, it's too good. So you can do the Hoff Defense Force, is what you're telling me. <laughs> Why wouldn't you? That's oh, too much. <laughs> That would also. And then you've got the moment. towers as you you've got the towers as the heavy heavy las cannons. Yeah. Oh, you could so do this. But you can take a Thunderbolt as well. You could actually like get the, the, the speeders. <laughs> oh, right. And this is the problem with a militia list is you suddenly get sidetracked into all these alternative options. That is just like, oh, that's quite tempting now. 
There we go. Right. Anyway, if you do buy him a mount, and I think it's important, this is something we're going to come back to when we talk about Rough Riders, is it's not, it's just mounted. It's not cavalry as such. It's not horses. So we're going to talk about modeling options later on. But if you are mounted, you get Relentless, Scout, and Hammer of Wrath. So you get a lot of bonus rules with that as well. And you get the option for a Militia Lance, which are fun when we talk about weapons later on. He's not a, bad, is he? I mean, uh, you should stick him on a cold one. That'd be cool, especially old Raptor cold ones. Cool. Yeah, oh, it's not not as cold as the Tauntaun. <laughs> all pretty cool. I think you need to be careful with Force Commander. I think he could be a massive point sink. Oh yeah, yeah, obviously. I think, yeah. And no, that, that's what I'm saying. Like you, you do, like in the old edition, you give him, um, uh, you give him the cyber familiar iron halo, so he's as three plus and vulnerable, and and a power weapon, so that he could potentially take down a space marine. But that's it. Well, you do, unless you've got the beloved by the people warlord trait, in which case you don't oh, yeah. give him any protective upgrades <laughs> at all. He goes out there in just a bare shirt. <laughs> just make one that's like uh, that. That oh, you know, it'd be fantastic. Like as someone that is is. In the Imperial, so into the Imperial cult, like a kind of a like a martyr kind of character that believes that the Emperor is the Emperor will never let anything bad happen to him or something like that. So he just charges in the front and immediately gets killed. But he like the rest of the yeah. army is sort of following him, like a Joan of Arc kind of thing. Oh, so basically it's an Imperial it's the Letitio Divinitatis cult. Yep. Mm, that could be quite an interesting one. That'd be an interesting right, okay, one. Okay, we'll move on. You could use uh you could use uh uh um some old like what the is it the Bretonian models or or the, the Mordheim models for the uh, like the flagellants and everything like that. Yeah, no, the Empire Flagellants, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You could use them and and have like sort of this character, this martyr character at the front who will immediately get you could do uh you you could even do like a child. Wouldn't that be rad? Because <laughs> someone's gonna have to gun down a child. But like the child is leading, that's been like uh, that the emperor, um, like a delusional child that thinks that the emperor uh, is 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 giving him visions of victory, and and, and he's recruited a bunch of uh, like of 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 of, uh, of extremists, of religious extremists and fundamentalists around him, um, and then the child, and someone's gonna have to kill the child. Someone's actually oh. gonna have to say, oh, could... target the child, <laughs> or it's a figure like um, Sereni. From the world, that would be fantastic as well. Uh, you could find uh, um, an imperial saint that we don't know too much about. You can you can run with a lot of the uh, some some narrative for like some imperial saint that's been uh, mentioned. Uh, yeah. Um. In in like you know those little like text boxes or something like that, and say that this is this is how they became a saint. Right. Was being gunned down, and the rest of the army. <sighs> I really oh, like. So much... I really right. like that that one. Yeah. Moving yeah. on. So let's talk about provenances then, because provenances are what make your militia army unique. And there are a lot of provenances here. There's some new ones and mm-hmm. there's some old traditional ones. And the provenances are really what is effectively creates the background of your militia force. And the provenance rules apply to any unit with a militia subtype unless they are mechanized, unless that's specifically called out. You can't take certain provenances in combination with other provenances, and those are specifically called out in the uh, provenance list as well. And you can take up to two. So there's a lot of combinations you can do here. There, there's, I mean, I, my maths is not good enough to work out the number of combinations, but there is a lot you can do. Some have very obvious benefits. Some are a little bit more subtle. Some 
I have some big benefits and some big downsides rolled into it. So it's one of those typical GW things of the more risk you take, the greater the reward, or you can just play it safe and get a small reward. So the, the, the most important thing for me is this reflects the type of army you collect. And really, you should pick this based on the background of your army. And I don't think, for me, I don't know what about you, JP, I would pick or I would decide the background of my army and then pick the provenances to yep. fit that background rather than the other way around. Um, it does also point out as well, I'm just trying to remember where it says it, you do have to have your force commander present for this. You can take model, multiple force commanders, but you are still only allowed to pick two provenances of war. You can't pick more than that, no matter how many force commanders you have. Anything we you want to say before we we um, dive into them? Because there's there's a lot here, isn't there? Yeah, uh, and I, I I agree. What's cool about this? It allows you to pretty much make the army that you want to create. And I haven't seen too many um combinations that would be uh that would be game breaking i'm sure someone someone Mark. out there not anyone specific but sure someone can Mark. break these but yeah you choose um the, the best the, 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 the figure out what the theme of your army is and then figure out how to uh like which provenance are most appropriate for that theme that's yeah. the only way to do it yeah and yeah, anybody that, by so. the way right. anybody that's playing militia this army i i assure you this army is for modelers. It's for it, it's for lore uh, lore fans. It's for people that love narrative. No one is playing militia <laughs> to win tournaments. I assure you. No. Although I would love to see a militia only event. Uh, come to next Depticon because we're planning. We're we're, we're planning <sighs> to play a like giant. Uh, the the Heresy community. We're planning to uh, play a giant game with only militia on the table, like ten thousand oh, points of militia on the table. Wow. If you have less than 200 models, not allowed playing. Get out. (laughs) Right. Let's crack into it. So uh, do you want to start or should I? Yeah. I'll start with a warrior elite, which I put in the category of most improved. Um, It's it's essentially the same as it was before. Plus one leadership. Uh, Oh, sorry. uh, Yeah. Plus one leadership to to, to, to pretty much all your squads that are eligible, which is all your squads with the militia subtype, right? Yep. Um, And uh, militia, uh, sorry, levy becomes uh, support. Uh, yeah, and grenadiers yeah. lose support, so you, you can, can take, take grenadiers as compulsory troops. Yeah, exactly. So uh, this is most improved because it used to cost like fifty points per unit. Was it thirty or fifty? It was a lot. I don't have my um. It, it was quite a size around here. Yeah. So this and is most improved. Plus one to leadership. It's massive. It's a massive because a uh, militia levy squad, as we'll talk about in a minute, has leadership six. If you can bring it to leadership seven, remember seven on two dice, seven is the most likely result you're going to have. So um, you're more likely to fail a, um, a a leadership test on on toughness six than you are to uh, pass. And the most likely number to come up when you're rolling two dice is seven. So if you can bring them to leadership seven, um, it, it is it is a, a massive change. Yeah, they they can hang around for that extra turn. It's it's yeah, that's the key thing. So the next one is Legacy of the Great Crusade. Now, I the way this is backgrounded is this is a settled Imperial Army regiment, and these are either the dregs, the old soldiers who are left, or they're the descendants of an old Imperial Army regiment, which is basically 
settled on a planet. I, the way I envision this is like old Roman legionaries who have settled into a part of the empire and it's their children carrying on. That That's my, my head cannon. So all Imperial mil- uh, Militia Grenadier, Command and or Command Card Rate and Discipline Masters gain plus one ballistic skill and your Force Commander gains a um, initiative bonus to five as well, which is quite large because he was previously only three. So he is now going before Astartes. So yeah. once again... Give him a trainable saber. He's going to go at the same time as a Praetor. Yeah, bring it on. We'll cut down those gene <laughs> yeah, enhanced. That's a great idea. Monstrous. <laughs> <laughs> so this one is very much, if you want to shoot an army with a core of very elite troops, that's what you want, isn't it? This, this is a good one to represent that core of elite, but it doesn't apply to a large part of the army. So just bear that in mind. I think it's a good one. I, I like it. Uh, I, I like I, it. I do like it. Uh, the Clan Folk Levy. Uh, this is going to be your cavalry army. Oh, right? So it's, it allows you to... Uh, hear him. Yeah, it's because your, your cavalry squads are going to be compulsory troops, and they get plus one to their leadership, which is just incredible. Um, and, and you can also but take only if up... they're in compulsory troops. Yeah, but why wouldn't they be? cavalry. Yeah, absolutely. Why wouldn't they be? Um, and, uh, and in addition, you can take four additional uh, fast attack choices. The... They could all be uh, Thunderbolts if you choose, because that would just be... No, they can't. Why not? No, because so, it specifically says... You oh, I can only take cavalry squads. Choices. Oh, instead well, of getting fine. excited. Instead of getting excited, I need to that's read fine. the entire thing. Because you can take those four additional force fast attack choices as four additional cavalry squads. So you can take ten squads. And then take your... You can then take your three standard slots as Thunderbolts. Oh, so you weird. know that scene in uh, season eight Game of Thrones when you have the um, Dothraki riding across the plain towards the Lannister army, and then you have the dragon swooping over the top of them. Imagine that with Rough Riders, and then Thunderbolts swooping in over the top of them. That's your clan folk levy. That's so good. And just to point out, the old world is bringing back a lot of the old fantasy uh, models. So. Those of you who like your Bretonians, this is the army for you in the 31st millennium. There is such a good opportunity to do a version of like Grail Knights. Um, that, but again, yeah. they worship the Imperial Truth. Yeah. Oh, what about doing something like in Descent of Angels with the Order, right? I'm oh. sure there was somewhere mounted, right? But they, they were also like worshiping some of the monsters and they could, you could do like Grail Knights, but like convert them so that. That's the. Um, Order Lupus, isn't it? The Order Lupus, that's, yeah. That's the Lupus. Lupus. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be something cool there. Oh. There's an idea right there. Yeah. Pre Calvinites. Yeah, or not pre Calvinites. Uh, yeah. Pre Imperial Cal- Cal- uh, um, Calvinites. Or Lutheran Calvinites. Ooh, Lutheran. Do Wait. we use Luther? I thought we used Lutherite. I think Luther. <laughs> I don't Lutheran? know how many. I'll, um, I'll go through. There's a lot of Swedes that listen to this show. So I think. Yeah. Uh, no, let's know. <laughs> <laughs> let's know if that's no, let's know. They they won't hold back. Right. <laughs> gene crafting. I've said multiple times on this show, I think gene crafting is one of the most underplayed elements outside the Astartes in 40k and 30k. So I'm so excited to see this one in here. So this represents early versions of gene crafting, not necessarily imperial tech gene crafting. This could be during the Dark Age of Technology. 
and it's not as stable as what the emperor produces. So what happens is once all you've got all your models on the table, then once they're all deployed, you roll for your first turn. If you roll a one, you start off pinned. If you're in a vehicle, you have to emergency disembark and then you're pinned. However, if you are in reserve, you ignore it, but you don't get any phone further bonus or penalty when you enter play. If you're immune to pinning, such as cavalry or the March Lord Warlord, tra uh, Warlord traits, you're still pinned. Tough, because you're basically, your gene craft is rubbish and you're laying on the floor gibbering. If you roll two to five, you get to pick one of the following special rules. Either fleet two, so that means you will add two to your initiative when you're making a run move, move through cover, or night vision. So you could be deciding to go, right, we'll play this game at night, and I'll have night vision on those units, thank you very much. That's even going to more upset Night Lord players, especially if you've got the, the, the March of Lords. Like, well, I don't care about your fear, I don't care about your first pinning, and I can see through your night vision. No, Drakari have done worse to us, mate. And then finally, number six, you any unit with infantry or cavalry type gain either relentless, stubborn, or adamantium will six plus, or you get everything in the two to five result, which means you would also could also gain fleet two, move through cover, and night vision. Yeah. It's risky this one. You know, it's it risky. Is, but you, There's you a roll for of... every unit, though, and and the good yeah. thing is that if you roll that one, then it's not. There's nothing permanently disabling. You know what I mean? No. So no. they're just it's running like normally if you roll a one. Or... Yeah. Yeah. I think the only issue I have with gene crafted as a rule is keeping track of it in a game with potentially the number of units you have. Oh, it's I think easy. Just, have, you'd have to have just put a, a die next to the unit. Yeah, I think you'd have to have a lot of tokens with it, but that's potentially the only thing. But I love the background of it. I think the background for it is really interesting and really funny. Thunder Warriors? <gasps> oh, so you could you could combine Legacy of the Great, or you could combine Warrior Elite and Gene Crafted to make Thunder Warriors. They were Ooh. late period Thunder Warriors, right? Not early period Thunder Warriors because they had a very limited yeah. uh, shelf life. They but do. towards the end, don't they, they start? Because uh, we we that was in Valdor, right? That, like towards the end, they're starting to kind of like break yeah. down. Yeah, well, they were designed to break down, weren't yeah, they? they so, break down, yeah. yeah, but the Emperor's the good guy. Feral warriors. We're not even going to go down there, right? Let's carry on because you know, <laughs> yeah, we're already quite a way into this. So this might be a two parter. This might be a two parter. Yeah, um, cyber augmentics, um, which is uh. uh this was a this was another uh, one in the uh, original version. And I don't think it's changed much. It's feel no pain six plus and still unpurposeful. Uh, you can't take that and gene craft it. So it's pretty much exactly uh, it's the same. And you'd be sworn yeah. brothers with uh, Mechanicum. Yeah, that so that's quite a nice one, isn't it? That's that that's you know not bad. I think the only downside is feel no pain is going to get cancelled because there's a lot of strength six weapons out there. Slow yeah. and purposeful though for heavy weapon units, that's not bad. So, yeah, it's, it's a nice one. It's all right, isn't it? Alchem Jekers. Now, this is one of the ones you like, isn't it? So, do you want This is the this one, one I always used, yeah. Yeah, go on. You, you go for this one then. Um, it hasn't changed that much. Um, so, um, your militia squads are, are not going to suffer negative modifiers uh, in the assault phase. It used to be that they made them stubborn. 
which essentially winds up being the same. Um, and uh, if less than half the models of the unit have been removed as casualties, a morale check is made due to casualties in the shooting phase has failed, they become pinned instead of falling back, which is fantastic. Um, this is what I always used before uh, in the lore of my yeah. army, essentially the mechanic we've created uh, like these combat drugs, like a catch cell white kind of thing, right? Um, if if yeah. you understand what I mean, and I think you do. Um, so, uh, um, so this hasn't changed much. Um, it's still awesome. I still think it's one of the better ones, uh, and I intend to keep using it. You can also take friends on. Um, oh, oh, here we go. It's going to give you furious charge one. Maybe uh, twenty five points per unit. Has it changed? I never used no, to use it. No, it hasn't. It's the same. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah, friend. It is the same. I, bearing in mind, it's 25 points per unit. So the larger unit, the more yep. effective that becomes. So if you've got a large levy unit, for example, you can get a huge amounts of attacks going in. It's going to be nasty, so, like, especially for the, for the Ogryn armies. Or This would be great as well with Clanfolk Levy. Um, be devastating uh, cavalry army. Yeah. yeah. So the next one is Survivors of the Dark Cage. And this kind of represents... And another class, but it's changed quite a lot because of the old survivors of Dark Age. You also had different types of weapons in those have been stripped out and put into a different province. So all survivors of the Dark Age now gives you is for your grenadier squads and command card raids. They can take a rhino, a termite, or a land raider Proteus as a dedicated transport, as long as they number 10 models or less. However, they lose the Legion of Stasis rules. That makes sense. They reduce their blister skill to three. That makes sense. And they also gained third, <laughs> third line units. Third line. Yeah. 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 Oh, dear. I mean, let's face it, though. How Armour 14 is quite difficult to crack. So it is still a negative, but you still got a land raider. Yeah. You know, the big thing you take Survivors of Dark Cage for are, is the option of void jumpers. And this is such an amazing rogue trader callback because what? Oh, this whole thing is rogue is trader. Up, back, the, the first edition yeah. of of Imperial, the Imperial, what they used to call the Imperial Army in Rogue Trader back in the late eighties. Um, they they didn't have Chimeras, they didn't have Lehman Russes, they had Rhinos and Land Raiders. This is your rogue trader. Yeah, army. yeah. And what you can do is all militia reconnaissance squads can be upgraded to have jetpacks. And they can replace all the weapons with two last pistols or also pistols at 20 points per unit. If you've got any discipline masters or militia medicate or any other models assigned to that squad before deployment, they also get militia jump packs or jetpacks for no additional cost. The jetpack rules are exactly the same as the standard Legion Warhawk. But what you need to bear in mind is there's a very old rogue trader piece of artwork where you have imperial army dropping down an orc shooting las pistols from jump packs look it up online and that is what you're going to be seeing here is it good Re really honestly no is it cool and thematic <laughs> absolutely no this is great literal like jetpacks um i thought they were going to yeah. go I, I thought there would be something like this, but to do like a le uh, legions, so they have like um, they're they're more like the, the, like legions used to be able to deep strike. They didn't have actual jump packs. Yeah, this is so much in cooler. mind. This this it does allow you to do some really 
interesting deep strike options, which normally this army does not have. And also, you could be putting your grenadiers into termites as well. So yep. then they're getting that deep strike as well. So, you know, you could potentially set up a very interesting deep strike, which could catch an opponent off guard. I wouldn't rely on it. But at the end of the day, you have got recon squads dropping down with auto guns, bla- auto pistols blazing. I mean, how cool is that? Oh, but it doesn't have to be auto now, pistols because the next one. Oh, well, this is it. So if you take Armory of Old Knight, this basically represents that um, what was in the old the old survivors of the Dark Age, the weaponry. And Army of Old Knight basically means that your militia force has access to some of the more esoteric weapons that the Imperium has lost. So how does this apply? Well, first of all, any eligible model in your detachment can upgrade LAS guns to LAS rifles. So those are the same as the Solar Ox get. And then you have some options. So your Grenadier and Militia Command squads can upgrade a hell of a lot of weapons. So they can first of all upgrade LAS guns to either Volkite chargers or assault needlers. They can upgrade LAS pistols to Volkite serpenta or needle pistols. Any sniper rifles can upgrade to needle volness, volness, and any heavy stubbers can either be a needle cannon or a Volkite cavalry. What's really interesting here is it's just a flat 30 points per unit doesn't matter number of models or the number of weapons upgraded. So you can, the way I read this, and it'd be interesting what you say, JP, I read it, you could upgrade your LAS cannon, or sorry, your LAS gun to an assault needler and your LAS pistol to a Volkite Serpenter. Yeah, that's a... So you've got a bit of a ranged weapon, but when someone then tries to then charge you, you can overwatch with a whole bunch of Volkite Serpenter for the D-flag. Yeah, but imagine dropping, like deep striking... 80 grenadiers with Volkites on your enemy. Yeah, 80. or assault needlers. My, or assault I needlers. like the assault needlers. Want to explain what that one does? Um, we'll talk about weapons later. We'll, we'll talk about weapons later okay. on. I think we'll come to it. But they are, they, they, you get an awful lot of shots out of an assault needler. Your force commander can take an heirloom of past glory. So he can exchange a power weapon for a paragon blade. That's all right. Or he can exchange a last pistol for an Archeotech pistol. Yeah, that's cool. I like Armory of the Old Knight. I think it's fun. I, I just like the idea that you've got this militia force and go, oh, really, that's cute. What weapons have you got? And then they just unload with a bunch of Volkite or needle weapons. Yeah, because you can take that in conjunction with, uh, which is the one that gives you, that allows uh, Grenadiers to be taken as, um, or removes, is it? So you could take it with Warrior Elite, to get a plus one leadership, and then Grenadiers as... Yeah, that's right. Yeah, you take trade. it with Warrior Elite. Because that means... Or you could take it as... The other one that gives you plus one blister skill on your grenadiers and command squads. Yeah, because, yeah, that's just nasty. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. That's so right. much Volkite, though. Like, no, or, like, <laughs> the, like the Mechanicum guys. is going to be, are, are going to lose the Volkite war. Yeah. Yeah. It's fun. I like that one. Right. We've still got quite a few of these to go. So let's, let's, let's keep going. Feral Warriors. Feral Warriors. Uh, that, that's the other one I used to use. Um, so it's gonna. It hasn't really changed. Plus one to we- your weapon skill, uh, but it it used to be just like a like a basic plus one to your weapon skill. Now it's uh, for the duration of any turn in which you uh, make a successful charge, and you have to make a charge if if you can. If you're within twelve inches, you have to make a charge. But you do get a new option. That's right. You can take chain access. So 
Yes. It would be good if you want to do, uh, you want to, want to be, and, and chain axes are awesome now because they have shred now, right? And they're strength five. So it can be plus two oh, points for model. There'll be strength, they'll, yeah, there'll be strength four for militia. So yeah, for your, uh, for your yeah, beast so army. That's going to be pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's not bad. It's a lovely one for world eater militia. Yeah, absolutely. So you, you know, you could do that as a, you, yeah, beastman, or you could do it as failed aspirants. Particularly late, late heresy when you know yeah, the, I like the that. recruitment drive isn't going so well. So these are all failed aspirants. So here, have a chain axe off you go, guys. Have fun. Right. So the next one is kinfolk helots. Now, kinfolk is the let's say modern forty k term for squats. Yeah. Let's let's be honest. That's what it is. So, and this was always tucked away in the original V one rules, wasn't it? You know, everyone who looked at it went. Oh, okay. So what you actually mean here is squats. Now they're making it very clean. Yes, we mean squats. <laughs> so you gain plus one toughness, but you do reduce your initiative and movement characteristics by one. However, any model of a detachment with a character subtype gains Battlesmith six as well. If they're in the independent character, they gain Battlesmith five. But you can't take it with Ogrins because squats and Ogrins have never really got on very well no no not really so yeah it's a nice one isn't it it's it's if you want to use the new leagues of otan models this is the one for you also i want to um i want to call some people out right now scott graham i know you're listening both of you better get your squats back out uh, are we going to say squat bikes and squat trikes it's on that one please do trikes <laughs> oh not the ones I know what they did with the leagues of uh, the the uh, leagues of Votan models um, with their like little hover bikes. It's not the same. I want the no, 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 we're, like we're low riders, right? Field. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm put I'm putting people right. on notice. Graham Scott, you guys are the OGs. Both of you for squad armies. I really expect I I I I, I expect to see those armies back out. And if I don't see some trikes, you're both dead to me. You heard me. Moving on. Should I keep calling out listeners? They're good friends. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Absolutely. It's, it's what they would come to expect in this episode. Be called out. <gasps> right. Let's keep going. We're still going through. We have, we're still going through provinces. Abhuman muster. Okay. So we have your squats. Now this is your beastman. So you're going to have plus one of your strength, but minus one ballistic skill. Obviously, it's beastman. Uh, you get the bulky yeah. because beastmen are big. Uh, <laughs> you get hammer of wrath because they hit hard. And if you have a monstrous uh, unit subtype, so it's going to be your minotaurs. That's uh, going to be hammer of wrath too. Yeah. Remember, minotaurs are canon in the Heliferian campaign, uh, and you cannot take yep. this in conjunction in conjunction with Ogren, uh conscripts because that would just be too powerful. Yeah, basically that that that's a balanced one, isn't it? Yeah, it's a balanced one. If you so don't good. know what, oh yeah. If you don't know what beastmen are like on the battlefield, read Lost and the Damned, read the initial traitor drop onto Terra, yeah. and that's what beastmen do to standard humans with las guns. Oh, it's not so a pretty They sight. keep shooting them, right? And they won't go down. They just like, don't go down. They're already practically just keep dead. They're mortally wounded. They still are cutting through the trenches. Yeah. And they gave them friends on as well, didn't they? So it's yeah. just like, well, yeah, yeah. Care. Oh yeah, what they were doing their drop, they actually put friends on like uh, the, the, the the friends on like gas was coming out, and they, they were already like fighting each other before they hit the ground. Yes. Anybody yeah, that didn't like brilliant. Lost in the Dam like does not enjoy fun. 
Or, 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 or horror. <laughs> Utter horror of Lost in the Damned. It got dark. Yeah. Go talk very quickly. So debased rabble. <laughs> no, I'm not talking about the classes I teach. We are talking about... <laughs> I hope none of your students are listening to this. <laughs> no, but one of my colleagues is. So he understands. He knows the pain. So with this uh, army, you get... Uh, it's only with traitors. This represents those massive warp cults that really tend to follow the word bearers around. All eligible models with this game, Crusade and Hatred, everything, special rules. And they must always declare a charge targeting an enemy if they're able to do so. You cannot take Grenadier squads with that provenance and you cannot take Survivors of the Dark Age provenance. However, you can have massive levy squads with Crusader and Hatred, everything. So you could be re-rolling all those misses on the first turn. Or is it re-roll ones? Re-roll ones, isn't it, on the first turn? Yeah. This is just your your crazy nutters. Nice and simple. Doesn't have to be doesn't have to be over the top, does it? But Crusader doesn't make you fearless anymore, does it? No, Crusader just makes you a bit I think it's a bit faster for sweeping advances. I'd have it's to one of those rules that always gives you like two rules, but I think it, I think more stubborn because uh, this this rule in the first edition made you fearless and and made by far it was the best one because yeah. you could take a fifty really man levy that was fearless and and you have one discipline master with power uh, with power weapon like a power axe and yeah. then you just like tie up a starting squad you tie up a dread or whatever they've they've toned this down but you still got to churn through all those models so yeah. Yeah. oh yeah yeah there we go tainted flesh so that's going to be your um. Your pestigores, if you wish, or or um, any um, uh, any other warp tainted uh, thing that you want to do. Um, so you're gonna get fear one and fierce charge one. Awesome. You must take levy squads, which is fine for this kind of army. You may not have more infantry squads uh, except for HQ um, than you have levy squads. So of course you're only gonna take levy for tainted flesh. What? A, why else would you take this? Um, you can only take an Imperial Force Commander as a uh, um, as an HQ and a Rogue Psyker. Uh, you cannot yeah. take this with Survivors of the Dark Age, Gene Crafted, or uh, Ogryn's Conscripts, or Alchem Jackers. But pretty much this is going to be, again, this is going to be your Beastman. Abhuman Muster and Tainted Flesh is going to be your, your, your truly debased uh, Beastman. Yeah. And let's not underestimate how powerful fear is. You know, reducing yep. all the leadership of any enemy unit within 12 inches, that's huge. <laughs> that is massive. So you can basically have it wall-to-wall across the table affecting fear. And then if you add the um, the tyrant onto that as well. <laughs> that's right. It's, fear too. It's just, yeah. Because it is all, all, I believe all fear is cumulative. So, you know. I'd have to double check that. Don't rule me on that. But yeah, it's an interesting one. But like you say, this is your twisted beastman army, isn't it? Oh, so conscripts. Cool. We've heard this, we've heard this mentioned a few times now, arguing conscripts. So if you take this uh provenance, you can select Ogrin brute squads <laughs> as troop choices. And if there is compulsory troop choices, they gain line. Now, what is nice is you can put Discipline Masters, Militia Medicate, and Force Commanders in with them as well, because it specifically calls out that that will be an exception for the usual rules restrictions. Because normally, 
characters with the infantry type can't join monstrous units. They specifically called out with this one, but discipline masters, medicay, and commanders can join this one. So, <laughs> yeah. So if you, you just want to run so basically many... a large, yes, that's going to be brutal. Sixty. You can take sixty and twenty of those will have uh, yeah sixty and twenty of those will have line. That's just so nasty. Who cares yeah. about having line? Who cares about taking objectives? Who can kill that many yeah. Ogrins? And, you know, you could give them feral warriors, so you could give them chain axes and plus one to the weapon skill <laughs> if you really wanted to. Or you could give them uh, alchem jackers to give them, well, they already got, have they, do they already have furious charge? I think they already have furious charge built into them anyway. Or you uh, could no, they give have hammer them, of wrath. They have uh, stubborn, bulky, and hammer of wrath. Yeah. You could give them gene crafted. Them fleet too. <laughs> yeah, there's there's some interesting com combinations there. Now, oh, if you want, yeah, it's an interesting one. Uh, should I take industrial stronghold? Because you're going to want to talk about unending horde, aren't you? I am good with whatever. All of okay. these are fantastic, okay. and I'm just very happy right now. Yeah. So industrial stronghold. So this allows you to take two additional heavy support choices. Oh no! What a shame. But you have to fill them with Lehman Russ units. Oh no, what a shame. I cry. However, one thing that we're going to have to talk about later is normally in a militia, standard militia list, you can only take one militia per slot. You can't squadron them. However, with the industrial stronghold, you can take up to five additional Lehman Russ for each slot. So potentially, you could take what, five. 25 Lehman Rust <laughs> in total, if you really wanted to. Bear in mind, though, stop. they all have a stop, stop, stop. stop. My penis can only get so erect. <laughs> to be honest, you probably wouldn't want to take 25 because you also want to put a Malkador in there as well. Why wouldn't That's, you? Oh, it's so, it's so good. <laughs> you can't take it with Unending Horde. You can't take it with Debase Rabble. You can't take it with Tainted Flesh or Ogrins as well. And also, bear in mind, they've got the third line military trait. So as soon as you get a glance and hit, you are rolling on the damage table. So although you may be able to take 25 Lehman Russ, you probably wouldn't want to take 25 Lehman Russ. But bearing in mind, none of them will give up victory points either. I just want to note that, okay, so it's going to cost you 120 uh, points each uh, uh, to take the extra Lehman Russ. Um, I should note that uh, I costed out 380 Militia in regular squads, not even the levy, uh, is only going to run you like 1,500 points. So if you're playing a standard heresy yep. game, you could easily fit like 20 Lehman Russes and 380 infantry in like a 3,000 point game. Yep. Well, it's a game of, game I've run out. <laughs> it's like, I'm very sorry, I'm going to have to put some units in reserve. I have no more space on my side of the table. <laughs> It's, so it, cool. it's an iron, however, it is an iron warriors, iron fire, right of war, wet dream, isn't it? <laughs> to see that across the other side of the table. It's just like ranging the barrage weapons. Only if the iron warriors aren't, aren't on your side. Well, even if they are on your side, they're going to be ranged. Oh, yeah, well, yeah, obviously. On you. <laughs> so, you know. Right, unending horde. Go unending, on. horde. unending horde. Okay, so... Unfortunately, uh, your militia grenadier squads are going to be elite choices, but 
for your militia and squads and, <laughs> and, and, and your levy squads, you get to roll a four plus when they're destroyed. And by the way, that's going to happen all the time. And on a four plus, it comes right back into reserve. So the, you remember I talked about just a second ago, like 380 infantry, which is going to be like easily, uh, uh, you're going to easily be able to fit in a 2000 point army. You can just roll a four plus and put them into ongoing reserves. And the best yep. part is the enemy doesn't get any points for killing them. No. Oh, yeah, they still get the victory points for killing them, but not if they're levy. No, they're <laughs> because levy. Because levy has a special rule. Yeah. But, you know, at the end of the day, you can just be keeping rolling troops coming on. It's, yeah. So you're 18 <laughs> squads un- of, of, of militia. So, like, 50% of the time, okay, they're going to die. Half the time, they're going to come back. Yes. So you'll lose. Like, how many can, can the legions destroy a turn? And half of them are going to come back. Well, this is it. And it's also a case of, as we talked about earlier, you can just swamp objectives. Have the enemy got enough either turns or attacks to yeah. work their way through everything before you well, move so the next saying, like, like, look at custodies or like really elite armies. Like, how many attacks do you have? Do you have that many? Like, just count it out. Do you have enough attacks to yeah. do this? Yeah. Insanity. It's the old. Yeah, so good. It is. It's the meat grinder. It's the old and, meat grinder mission. Like, Tyrannus. Absolutely. You, you do need to have a certain mindset when you play militia, don't you? You do have to have a look at these. Just like, yeah, like, you these, have to like aren't... fun. Yes, you have to like fun. And you also have to not mind removing models from a table. If you're one of these players that is very defensive over your models and don't like them being removed from a table, don't play militia. Oh, yeah. However, if you're an extremely callous, cold-hearted person who is unafraid <laughs> to throw models and these troops into a meat grinder that they know they will not be able to survive from go for it i feel targeted go for it absolutely criticized well, well what can i say what all can right. i say right all now, right so we I think, are uh, i okay we, so we've been at this for like minutes. an hour and 20 minutes i think that this is going to be a two-parter how do you feel it's gonna be a two-parter yeah, I, I think it is I think it is. But before we end, before we end, uh, we close out uh, and go to uh, Tales of Heresy. Um, I'm curious, uh, and I think we talked about uh, about it a little bit, obviously, but um, how has your army changed? And then I'll talk about how my army's changed. With, with just the provenances my, and the stuff we've talked about so far. Yeah, my army's actually changed quite a bit. Because originally, my background for my force was always they would be remnants of one of the old hundred. So I did them with Survivors of the Dark Age and Warrior Elite. So for Warrior Elite, perfect. You know, that that doesn't change. That's actually got slightly better because I'm not having to pay the extra points. They still get the plus one leadership. And I get to keep my Grenadier squads as my compulsory troop choices. The main reason I took Survivors of the Dark Age was for the upgraded weaponry. I didn't really run them with rhinos or land raiders. So all I've had to do is switch to Armory of the Old Knight. And people who know me know that I love Volkite weapons. And when I first read through this list, I saw the amount of Volkite that was available for Grenadiers and Command Squadrons. It was like amazing, fantastic. I can't wait. And then I saw the Needle weapons and I looked at the Needle weapons and that's fascinated me even more. So in terms of provenances, the names of my provenances have changed, or one of my names of provenances has changed, but the actual theme of the army of being an old hundred force, focusing on better quality weapons rather than vehicles, because they're light infantry, 
hasn't changed at all. So for me, it's perfect. And now I'll get to add cavalry in, which I love. I mean, what's not to love? Uh, for myself, I used to always run um, Alchem Jackers. Uh, again, the lore is that the Mechanicum, my uh, uh, my army background is they come from their unaugmented soldiers of the Volga Mechanicum and the Mechanicum doesn't waste its Katari to like garrison unimportant agri worlds. Uh, they just send unaugmented like humans that like live uh, in, in, um, in, in the system in Volganus. Um, and, but they did develop like a Ketrasol white kind of drug to keep them loyal, but also to improve their, their combat abilities. Um, so I used, used to use Alchem Jackers like space vodka uh, and, um, but I used to use feral warriors because I couldn't find anything else that really fit. And I like the idea of them just being like, particularly again, because of the combat drugs, it makes them a little bit more savage, uh, a little bit more violent. So I thought that the plus one weapon skill made sense, but it's cause I didn't really find anything else that fit. And now the great thing about this list is there is definitely something that fits the exact army that I'm playing, which is industrial stronghold. I've always run a lot of Lehman Russes. I love Lehman Russes. Um, and also fits with the fact that they come from a uh, Mechanicum Sangury. And that the, the fact that they would be, be well-equipped with uh, Lehman Russes. So I'm going to be taking Industrial uh, Stronghold from now on. And I'm just going to buy so many more Lehman Russes. And I want to get the Mars cool. pattern too. Yeah. The thing I love about the Lehman Russ is that it's never been described as being a good tank. It's great because you can just produce it anywhere with almost anything. In the old guard codexes, they used to describe Lehman Russes as like some like backwater worlds. They could produce them using the um, uh, the standard template construct. They could they could build them with steam engines. You could build a, like a Lehman Russ yeah. with like a boiler in the back. Um, that's how versatile um, it is, and it can do anything. It can't do anything well, but it's got a giant gun on it, right? So it can it can. It, it could be artillery if need be. It's, uh, it, it's it, it can cross trenches. It can it can do everything, but not well. But you don't need something that does it well because you have a hundred of no. them. As long as it does every, it. but you 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 can't afford a tank that can't do that cannot fulfill every battlefield role. That's why the Lima Russ is so good. It's like way too high. Uh, it's it's got a bunch of shot traps in it. Uh, it's, it's not, it doesn't look like a good tank, but it can do everything. Yeah. That's my spiel on the Lehman yeah, Russ. It's, 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 it's for catch-up. This is our 101 of a Lehman Russ, isn't it? So I think we are going to leave the strategy in there for today. And I think we'll come back to the rest you of think the we've been out? army we, list. We're three pages in. Yeah, I, I printed it. We're four pages in. I printed the, the document. <laughs> so welcome. But the, to be, to welcome be fair, to like the, 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 the first part of our potentially six-part series on Lushal. <laughs> No, to be fair, I think the rest of it we're going to get through quite quickly because you it's think, just talking really? about individual you units. Be, you believe that we will? Well, I, I'm an optimist. <laughs> <laughs> I am an optimist. <laughs> now, should we talk about the calling show? Should we just mention the calling show very quickly? Yeah. Um, so, right. So, go ahead. Go on, JP. It was your idea, so you you talk about it. Okay. So, um, we, we we were talking about this before the show, and uh, um. And and obviously we thought it was going to be the next episode. It's obviously not. It's obviously not going to be the next episode. But in a uh, very soon, uh, once we've gone through the entire militia list, which hopefully will be after the next one, we haven't done a call-in show in a while. And so we're going to invite all of you, our wonderful listeners. I know, I know the kind of people that listen to the show, and you're all uh, bustling with ideas. 
full of wonderful ideas uh, for militia armies. Perhaps it's your it's the militia army you already had and that you're trying to um, um, and you're you're presently like reworking it like we are uh, into the new rules. So we're going to do a call and show and we want you to tell us about your militia army. It could be either the army that you have right now or the army that you're planning on making. And frankly, if you just have a great idea that you, you might not be able to do and you just want to talk about it. That's cool, too. In a few episodes, we'll be doing that. So get in touch with us. Podcast at gmail.com. Get in touch with us if you want us to, to reserve a slot. Yeah, we'll also put a post up on the Facebook group as well to tell people. We'll put the email up on there as well so you can just contact us and organize that out as well. Um, contacting us on the email is probably easier than the Facebook Messenger because we tend to check the email a little bit more than Facebook Messenger. So mm. just bear that in mind as well. Yeah, I'm, I'm quite. I would quite like to see, moving forward, a Solarox versus militia with militia based on Hoth defenders and Solarox based on snowtroopers. <laughs> that's what I would. That's what I would like to see. That's what I'm tempted with now. Uh, we're going to launch a lot of Star Wars Legion proje- uh, projects. Oh, you have you okay, if you're gonna do it, you, ha- you, you have to convert them. What I would do yeah. is I would um I would love to. I actually thought about doing this in the past, uh, is is paint thunderbolts. Um take the thunderbolt and actually paint it in the scheme of the snow uh the snow speeders instead of actually yeah. just using a snow speeder model. Because yeah. you can still do that callback to Empire, but you can also still make it um clearly 40k. I don't like the idea of just using uh, Star Wars Legion's mo- uh, no, you have models? To I mean, I'd use a Tauntauns like and like stick a Valhalla on them. That'd be great. Oh, that'd be awesome. And like with the um, Solar Rocks, they've all got that heavy void armor anyway, so they look stormtrooperish right. already. So, and oh, can you, and the amount of Volkite the Solar Rocks get potentially as well, that would be carnage amongst the militia force. Yeah. Well, just wait till the militia fire back with just as much Volkite. <laughs> Yeah. So, <laughs> oh my god. Oh, it's wild. What I love hell? it. Oh, brilliant. Uh, right, you know what? Like g- g- Games Workshop sometimes disappoints us. I, I I'm I'm happy that it's not as often as a lot of fandoms, but Games Workshop can sometimes disappoint us. But in this particular case, um the design team has just like hit a home run, scored a goal in overtime in a game seven, they have what would be a soccer equivalent? Well, I extra time, to- like, uh, I don't know, scored during like extra time or something. Anyways, they've done a fantastic yeah, job. I, I think they think, if we're honest, I think the, the general feeling we have from a lot of the community, certainly a lot of people you and I've been talking to, is they've exceeded the expectations from a militia list. I, I think it's, I better didn't think than that we they were going to put this much work into it. No. No, I think we were expecting yeah, something more like some of the legacies documents, you know, and some people have felt really disappointed by some of the legacy units. Um, but I think the militia list has caught everyone by surprise. It does raise massive hope for the demons of a ruined storm list. If they can produce a ruined storm list similar to what they've done with a militia list, that is going to be another really interesting list to see. But we'll have to wait. We'll, yeah, have, to we'll wait. have to wait. But uh, again, um, I'm glad this wasn't rushed. I've been kind of a petulant child over the last like six months uh complaining that the list hasn't come out and i can use my army um but uh, i i will i know there's people out there that work at g-dub that listen to the show i know that for a fact and to all of you i want to apologize for being a whiny little baby 
because honestly, uh, this exceeded, like as you put it, exceeded every expectation I had, and and this was worth um, the wait. But we're not done talking about it. We're not done talking about it. Not going to finish in the next episode. Nice. But for now, because yep. um, we're running mad long, we don't want a 10-hour episode. Um, I think we'll uh, go to uh, Tales of Heresy and finish off Titanicus. And then we can get excited about playing Titanicus. Oh, yeah, absolutely. The machine lurched again. Metal screeched on stone. The head jerked, throwing Hartek's head forward, and he feared further nerve damage. A rushing booming started up, like the thunder of a monstrous heart. He could hear the reactor. All the lights were off. No device functioned. This is impossible, he said. The machine heaved. He recognized the motion as readily as if it were his own. It was trying to stand, pushing against something heavy. It moved again, then again, each movement, more violent, flinging its head, sending Hartek's own head whipping back and forth. The carapace banged on something, and again, there was that terrible growl. The titan lunged. Metal screeched. The growl turned into a roar. Slowly, with great effort, it rose. Rubble fell from its shoulders, banging loudly off the head. It lifted its face from the dirt, and the debris fell from the machine's eyes, uncovering the small window set behind the auger lenses. Pale light flooded in, allowing Hartek to see. His body was encased in a shell of ridged bone. The cella had transformed into a semi-organic abomination. Vein membranes covered the equipment, and thick liquid oozed from everything. Fat arteries pulsed over instrument boards. The forward display was embedded in a film of flesh that looked to him very much like a retina, veined and iridescent. The clear images it had shown were replaced by watery reflections. The Titan was looking across the landscape. Members of the Mechanicum prostrated themselves at its feet. It looked down at its mangled limbs. The armor plates were flowing like melted wax, changing shape. Skull runes rose into them like corpses surfacing from the sea. Elsewhere, the machinery cracked like the shell of a molting crustacean. The volcano cannon lengthened, sprouting a moist mouth that clacked armlong fangs against metal. The fingers of the Ariok power claw split wetly, talons emerging from ceramite that became bony, then soft, turning into whipping tentacles that dripped with potent acid. A tail of raw, exposed bone forced itself from the rear pelvic assembly, growing a blade of horn from the tip. Hartek washed with horror. When the head changed, he began to weep, the organic mess of it pushed inward. The back lengthened, the front shook, bent aside and stretched outwards. Through the last vestiges of the MIU, Hartek felt the change from noble armored helmet to leering, semi-metallic machine face sporting swept back horns. He thrashed against the bony cage holding him in place, but it would not let him go. The MIU cable mutated from banded metal to long, tubular organ that pulsed and sucked at his mind and soul. Each attempt to free himself prompted bony needles to force themselves into his flesh, pinning him in a state of permanent, immobile agony. He tried then to push his way into the MIU, but he had no influence over the being that inhabited his titan. He could see it, but it spared him no attention. He was trapped in the skull of the beast. When eyelids blinked over the augers and oculus, his mind cracked. Terran Hartek screamed unashamedly. Every vestige of military control rinsed out of him in an instant and replaced by howling insanity as the newborn Chaos Titan raised its head to the sky and poured out its hatred of the universe. Alright, welcome to Tales of Heresy. Today's Tale of Heresy is the third part of Titan Death by Guy Haley. And yeah, things get real. 
like oh sometimes the scale of this universe is just like mind-boggling this is this last part uh feels it has the the, the that that grand feeling of the Siege of Terra books. Yes, before the Siege of Terra books. Yes, I would agree. I mean, obviously, now looking back in hindsight, and that's the advantage of reading these books in hindsight. In some cases, isn't it? We've seen the scale of the Siege of Terra, and I think the closest we ever got to that in the main Heresy series has been Tyson Terra. Oh, absolutely. Um, but before we go into it, do you have an efficient synopsis of the third, uh, the third act of the book? Oh. So those of you who like your kind of early 90s British uh, comedies will get this one. They're all dead, Dave. <laughs> I don't get it, but damn it, that that is that does sound about accurate. I was going to say this is um, nothing will ever be the same again. This is it. This is the end of the of, of the golden age of the Titans. Yeah. After this, it, it will never be the same. And this is before yeah, the Terra. They are shattered at this point, aren't they? They, mm. they will, by the end of this book, they are shattered. Well, most of them are shattered. Mortis is quite good. Yeah, but we'll, we'll talk about that. that. Oh, <laughs> we'll get to that. <laughs> we'll get to that. Well, you Mortis see, is coming is, I started out quite reading friendly. the Siege of Terror books before reading this one. So there were things I didn't get while reading the, the Siege of Terror books. Um, uh, 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 and one of the big ones is like, why is Mortis like the only major Titan Legion? Well, we're going to find out. Now you find out, absolutely. We're going to find out. <laughs> so it's interesting, this one, isn't it? Because effectively there are three story arcs through this, but they're very, certainly in the last three or four chapters, very closely entwined, aren't they? So oh, yeah. you have Sanguinius and his Beta Garmin plan, for want of a better word. I like how You've generous got... you are with that term. Well, he does have a plan. Yeah, it's not his fault that he's been completely outwitted. I, and I think we need to explain uh, that even Sanguinius seems almost uh, he, 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 one of the greatest of the Primarchs. Even he has trouble organizing this mess. It's so yes. important to come back. I think that's, that's a point that we need to come back to because this is a major uh, uh, um, a through line of the story, uh, right? This idea that no one's in charge. Uh, it, well, no one's in charge chaos. of the. No one's in charge of the Imperials. Yeah, but it's quite clear that Horus has still got he, a tight grip on the, on the traitor forces. Yeah, and that's probably why Horus wins and wins so completely decisively. Yes, yeah, more, more than anybody expected. It's like, what's the point of Beta Garmin? Well, from a loyalist point of view, it's to bleed Horus, isn't it? That's yeah. entirely it. They, they know it will be a lost campaign. They know it's going to be a lost campaign. But the entire point is to bleed the traitors so deeply that when they get to the soul system, they can be repulsed or at least held off for even longer to allow the remaining loyalist legions to break into the soul system, like the Ultramarines, the Wolves and the Dark Angels. Yeah, it's a delaying action. It's an attrition action. Um, but I, I guess the, the 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 big problem is they're just it's the grand muster. They're throwing everything into this that they have, usually piecemeal, different factions, different because the you know the Titan Legios don't necessarily all get along. There's a lot of negotiation for how they go into action, but it's under chaos. Um, uh, and, and that's one of the biggest issues that they have is no really coherent command, nor any 
capacity for that coherent command. Eventually, the Primarchs are sent in, right? So Rogaldorn sends Sanguinius and the Khan. The Khan obviously do, does Khan stuff. We don't really see him much. Yeah, no, we don't really see him at all, which actually opens up some quite nice future storylines, to be honest, doesn't it? You know, when, when we get to the end of the Siege yeah. ter- Terror series and this becomes a setting as opposed to a story arc, hopefully we'll see what the Khan was up to a little bit more in Beta Garmin. But you're perfectly correct. Don't also forget the Primarchs have been delayed. Their warp travel took longer than they anticipated, longer than they planned for. So mm-hmm. was that deliberate on the behalf of the Chaos Powers, or is it just vagaries of war travel? We'll let the listener decide. I think I know which side I'd come down on personally. Yeah. Um, but they're already on the back foot. Now, Sanguinius does manage to get a battle group together, and he has a clear target, and he knows what he's aiming for. He has a very clear strategic aim, and it makes complete sense what he's aiming for. So while we're on this, should we just should we go through the outline of Sanguinius's plan then? Because it seems Absolutely. to be relevant for what we're talking about. So this is on Beta Garmin 3, is where the main Titan death will take place. And the hive is Nyson City, Nyson City, Nikon City. How do you I pronounce think, it? I think Nyson. Nyson. I, yeah, so- I think you have to use the, the soft C. Yeah. And this has already been fought over twice. So this is the third battle of Nyson City. Yeah. The first time... The loyalists, uh, the traitors assaulted it and kicked the loyalists out. No, no, no. The, fir- the first time no, was no, the loyalists that, was... that, 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 yeah. that seized it, but it was like a very small kind of skirmish. And yeah. then um, the, the, the traitors made a major attack on it and took it back. Yeah. Uh, and and now we're... This is a hive city, right? Like it's a proper yeah. Necromunda sized hive. Yeah. And now this is this campaign. St. Goodness's campaign is now the third battle of Nice and City where the loyalists are. Re- uh, re-attempting to take it now it's not just the fact there's a hive above the hive you also have an orbital plate which is fueling a lot of the power and, and really the powering the voids around Nyson city as well isn't it that's where it's a lot of its main defense comes from and because it's an orbital plate obviously this is the imperium it's festooned with weaponry which it's also using to defend Nyson city itself so st guinness's plan is two-pronged Number one, a small group of Astartes is going to attack the orbital plate and seize it and secure that. And then the traitor legios, or the loyalist traitor legio, of loyalist legios, sorry, are going to launch an assault en masse onto the city. The reason it has to be for the, um, the, loyal, the legios, the Titan legios, is because that entire city is one large open wasteland around it. And anything that's basically not a Titan is just going to be obliterated before he gets anywhere near. And th- there's a description at one point when um, St. Guinness is flying overhead and is Stormbird, isn't it? And he describes in all the Titans below and describes them like it looks like individual infantrymen fighting a battle. That's how yeah. many Titans are present. You kind of get the uh, well. The way it's described by uh, Guy Haley is really it, it looks like a World War One battlefield. If every infantryman charging into no man's land was a Titan, yeah. So it's one of those funny things that you lose the sense of scale because it's so large. Yeah, thousands of Titans are fighting. Yeah. Like in in the forty first millennium, to, to see a half dozen Titans is an immense uh, battle force, right? You could, yes. you'd only see that in a, in a giant crusade. Uh, Siege uh, of Vrax. 
Siege of Rex yes. is a great example. You only ever saw one mana pool of Storm Titans. Yeah, and that was a major uh, uh, event in Vrax. It was it was a major deployment. No, not in the Heresy, my friends. This is what it, this is this this is the kind of destructive power that could only that ended here. That can that yeah. can no longer exist after uh, after Beta Garmin. Absolutely. So that's Singunus' storyline. We then have the Great Mother's storyline. Now, the Great Mother is the head of Legia Solaria. She's the seniorist princeps. And we also know from the start of the book that she is dying. And she mm. knows she's dying. So she takes the bulk of Legia, I think it's all but um, one and a half maniples, to Beta Garmin Three to conduct this campaign, even though she knows that Solaria is not suited to this style of warfare. She's obligated because of the um, oaths she swore to Singinuous when he took command of the Beta Garmin battle group that she would follow this through. So she takes the majority of the Legio to Beta Garmin 3 for this campaign and she will lead this herself. And then we get the final storyline, which is her daughter, who will become the next, she's already promised to become the next Signoris Princeps. And she is tasked to defend. Um, well, it's, it's an astropathic uh, astropathic choir. Um, yeah, and it's a particularly important one with thousands of astropaths in this giant like pyramid. Well, it's it's the choir for yeah, it's the choir for the cluster, isn't it? Yeah, and it's located on the original planet planet where they were fighting over the, the hive city where they got attacked by the um, brainwashed troops. So it's Beta Garmin Five, I believe it is, and the choir is in a massive spire, and the spire once again reaches up into the lower atmosphere. This is the crazy... It's described as nation-sized. Nation-sized. Yeah, absolutely. And thousands of astropaths on board. And she's there with um, about a maniple and a half of Legio Solaria and some Astorum Titans as well. And it's a very mountainous landscape, isn't it? They're basically high up in the mountains. Yep. So we're going to get her storyline and it's important to recognize that as far as the loyalists com are concerned as far as they believe that they won't be an assault on triastropathic choir they think that all the main traitor forces are located in the Narsan city that's that's where the yeah, they, they, they don't see it as strategic anymore um because the the the, the uh they, they don't need it they don't need to communicate with terror as much anymore right no so, and the so is here, they don't really need the choir. It's not a major strategic uh, yeah. area as far as they're concerned. Even though they know the choir is the main choir for the cluster. So it's the main telepathic relay or the astropathic relay to terror. But they don't view it as as tactically important as Nyasun City. So they put basically a light defense force around it. So I think well, the way we're going to have to do this is probably deal with Singinuous and Nyson City and leave the Astropathic Choir as a separate storyline. Yeah, I think that, we that, split it in half, yeah. Yeah, I, I think we need to kind of keep the two distinctive and then they kind of dwell together at the end, don't they? They kind of mesh together at the end. I think that's. I think that works. Okay, so let's go to Sanguinius then. So uh, Sanguinius' plan um, is take... The primary thing he wants to take in Nyson City is the anvil. And the yes. anvil is a spaceport, right? Yep. 
Yeah, the anvil is, is kind of the main spaceport. We've said already how why that's important as well. So it, it's providing fuel. And he deploys his own blood angels to that, doesn't he? Um, it's, oh, it, which of the blood angels does he deploy into that? It's a, it's a scallion, isn't it? A scallion, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, Zomortalis fighting. We always love a bit of Zomortalis fighting. But once again, it's the sense of scale. This reminded me of the fighting of the orbital play in ventral spirit yeah 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 i see that so but you're always going to get similar similarities between um void well so more tireless fighting on these kind of situations because they're always going to be very very similar aren't they but we do get some great descriptions of um the blood angels jumping across central vents, you know, where which goes all the way down to the main reactors, yep. and they're using and, the and jump. Fighting sons of Horus, but something off. Well, we'll come there, back there is, to it, but there's something off. Yes, there, there's something right, and that really builds up attention. Now, it's not the fact that they are giving up, is it? The sons of Horus are putting up a fight. I mean, there's one point where there's Callian and his squad go into a squad of sons of Horus, and at the end of it, about a third of his Scallion's troops are down aren't they? So, you know, the fighting is as brutal as we would expect between those two legions. But he keeps saying something's not right. Yeah, it's It and seems that, that, like uh, they're not fighting with as much organization as as you would expect. Uh, their their armor seems blackened. Um, the totems they're carrying are seem different. There's something yeah. that, off about the Sons of Horus here. And also like the the, the, the humans that are fighting, right? seem uh, of particularly low quality which again seems off yeah especially as they believe now horus is in system somewhere yeah and this so is they, the most they, strategic they, point that the spaceport is crucial if you're gonna hold beta garmin 5 so yeah. why does this seem so off anyway no, uh, i think hallie does a good job of here building this tension off because he just drops these we don't even get full chapters on this section do we we get a section of a chapter and then we come back to it in a later chapter. So it's just dropped in. And it's, I thought this section with the Great Mother and Singinuous and Battle of Nyson City did a good job of ranking up the tension. Oh, yeah. Because from the moment they drop and the way they drop down, it's very similar to the description we had in the first third of the book, where Legia Slaria first does this combat yeah. drop onto the moon. Oh, no, my favorite, the Imperators there. Yes. So they land three Imperators, right? Uh, and the, so the Loyalists by themselves have three Imperators. Again, one Imperator should be enough to take a system. So they land yeah. three. Uh, and the third one, the biggest one that they have, like the I think that the, the Imperium has, um, it was so big it wouldn't fit in any coffin ship. So they yeah. literally just like hook it up like a marionette and sort of like slowly, slowly, slowly bring it down. Have you seen um, Pacific Rim? Yes. So you, it, awesome. it's exactly how they yeah. bring those robots, whatever. Um, I've forgotten the name of them. Uh, uh, Jaegers. Jaegers. So yeah, it's how Heli they bring the Jaegers in by helicopter, don't they? And then they just drop them in. They're doing this with an imperative, but they're using tug ships. You know, yeah. these things that are used to move <laughs> around capital ships in orbit. And they're using tug ships to drop in three imperators. No, the other two, and, there's only one that was too big. Uh, the other two fit in like custom drop ships, which were like just absolutely like twice the size of one for uh, for a warlord. Uh, but the third one was just too big. They had to to, to, to bring it down uh, with ropes. 
or cables. Yeah. And but the size of a force they've got is massive, isn't it? It's about four or five legios in total. And oh yeah, they decide to do the classic almost a thousand thing. titans, I think. Yeah, I think they do mention about a thousand at some point, don't yeah. they? And you know, they've got the classic heavy mana pools in the center. They've got all the warlords in the center, and then they say it goes down smaller in size to the flanks, where you've got all the warhounds. But the interesting thing as well is they mentioned that rather than fighting by Legio, they've done it by Titan class. So all the Warhounds, regardless of Legio, are out on the flanks to do the wide sweeping manoeuvres. All the Warlords are in the centre, clustered as the, the point of a spear, effectively. And then you've got your Reavers and your Warbringers. And they mentioned Carnivores in there as well, don't they? Yeah. The carnivores, they keep getting mentioned. Come on, we, we need to see them. I still... Just make an Imperator. You'll sell so many. Just make it. Yeah. Do you remember when we were at Warhammer World? Uh, or sorry, uh, when we, yeah, uh, when no, when we were at um, uh, the, the, the 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 open day, and he had that big room, and they were like, uh, "Well, you have two options: either you could have an Imperator, or you could have uh, an awesome mid class between the Reaver and a Warlord." And everybody was like, "We want an Imperator. We want an Imperator, bud." It's like, oh, well, I yeah. didn't expect that answer. It's like, I don't know why you didn't. Yeah. But going back to the storyline, the Great Mother is dying, isn't she? She's losing control over her link. So we know as a princess becomes older, they start to lose or the link between them and the machine spirit of their titan blurs more and more. And she keeps fading in and out, doesn't she? So she's losing greater awareness of what's happening around her and this she starts to hallucinate with what's happening in the past or she starts referring to people mm. who aren't there any longer the machine spirit is a bit slower to respond as well this is her so, last walk yeah and she knows this for last walk and the legio knows this for her last walk as well so the initial fighting is pretty much like turn one and two of a tight of an AT game, isn't it? It's long range fighting, few void shields going down, but nothing really major going on. Would you agree with that? Yeah, you know, two giant forces of titans clashing against each other. Uh, it's like uh, again, I think that uh, that I think I've mentioned this before, but a lot of these titan fights they feel like naval battles. It's like Jutland, yes. right? Yeah, I was it's just going to say at, that at first they're just kind of blasting at each other at long range, but it it, it gets bloodier as as the two uh, forces uh, get closer. Yeah, and what I like is every time we go away from this Beta Gaiman five, uh, Beta Gaiman three conflict, and come back, things are worse. Every time we come back, things are worse because we're not just talking about this boss battle taking a couple of days. We get talk about this. This battle is taking place over over weeks, and at one point we get the description of the Great Mother's Titan crew in her Warlord, and they're basically saying that they're all dehydrated. They haven't had solid food for over a week. They haven't even yeah, left their for a week, seats. Yeah, yeah they, they haven't even left their seats. All their fluids are being rehydrated back into them to keep their bodies as hydrated as possible. But even then, they're not. They're still dehydrating quite quickly. So they're losing their edge, but they can't withdraw out of the battle line to refresh, rearm, etc. And that's something else is their solid weapons, like 
Apocalypse missile launchers, Gatling blasters, etc., are running low on ammunition, on ammunition. And every time we come back to her manacle, they lose another Titan, don't they? Mm. They're, they're, they're one more Titan down. I thought it was such a great touch that you mentioned that, well, they have uh, like fusion reactors, right? So they can essentially fight. So long as you're actually handling um, uh, um, um, your reactor properly, right? Going back to the game. Yeah. Um, they can fight indefinitely and their energy weapons can essentially fire indefinitely. Yeah. But they have no more am uh, ammo for things like uh, mega bolters or uh, apocalypse missile launchers. So it's going to be yeah. real hard to strip shields is what I'm saying. Yeah, but also they're taking so much damage that things like void shield generators are being burnt out permanently anyway. Yeah. So, you know, there's that constant damage going on. And we have a description one point of the Great Mother's Maniple fighting off against a um, group of enemy warlords, and she bursts through a building at one point to outflank them. And she knows this is going to take damage to her Titan, but it's the only way she can swing the battle. And we get then the description of one of her... Um, titans in her mandible going nuclear going the classic 10 on the damage catastrophic damage chart for titanicus they get that reactor meltdown and that's the first of the warlords they've lost in solaria pretty much since the beginning of the um creation of legio as well isn't it so you know these things are starting to hit hard now so what Halley does is a great microcosm of the bigger conflict but focusing on her maniple. I think what he does really well is doesn't try to describe the whole conflict. Yeah. He's using the great mother's maniple as, well, microcosm, isn't it, for want of a better word, of what's happening to their maniple is happening on a larger scale. And, and there's you get some really those... nice touches to, for for example, there's one, uh, I, I think Reaver, that's uh, heavily would like, can no longer uh, keep up and is heavily damaged and asks for permission to disengage because it's all fucked. And, yeah. and the great mother gives uh, them permission to disengage. Like, okay, well, we need to survive. We need some of us to survive. You can't do any more good. Walk, live, live. And then like two seconds later, it goes Nova. Yeah. Yeah. Just and, and you get the, and the head ejects, doesn't it? You get the, the Titan crew ejecting off, but she says, I'm not sure how long they're going to survive. Yeah, they're not going to survive on this battlefield. Completely irradiated. Yeah. Hellscape. And it's things like that. So this thing cuts back to St. Guinness. So like we said, there's a lot intertwined, isn't there? Because yeah. what happens is one of the things the loyalists notice is there's not as many enemy titles. Not only is not, not as, there's, it just seems to be a big absence. Yeah. Mortis is not there. There's Mortis. The question. They keep saying there's, there's no Mortis. Where's Mortis? Mortis yeah. should be here. When Mortis isn't there, you should be asking, where's Mortis? Yeah, especially as they know, Mortis is the largest of the traitor legios, the most well-equipped, because effectively, they're the ones closest to Horus. And Horus rewards his own, doesn't he? We see that with his own legion. But they're not present. But they do come across an enemy Imperator Titan. Now, Jason, Several, I think. There's, there's a, isn't there a couple, or is it just, just the one? It's just the one. Just the one, it's okay. Just the one. So, so the loyalists have three, happens. and yeah, the, the, the traitors have one. Yeah. What traditionally happens to an Imperator in a book? Oh, it dies. It, it, they it always dies. die. We, we know Absolutely. that. They're just manufacturing and, them one after the other to replace the losses because uh, uh, of these books. Yeah. But how is this one killed? Because this is for good. <laughs> this is what's it. If Miles was should, should we do a be... ranking system of like best Imperator kills or like mo most pathetic Imperator kills? 
This one doesn't seem as pathetic as, for example, uh, the one that um, was killed by lava on Mars or the one yep. that was just blasted from orbit on Moloch. Um, yeah. Or brought this, down this one by... went down like you look at it. It's just like, yeah, there's not much you can do about that. Yeah. Or brought, there's another one which is brought down by Ordax, Reverses Claws. Oh, that's right. Okay. That was probably yeah. the coolest one. Again, there's not much yeah, you can that, do that, about that. Ooh, ooh, I think this one is a pretty good one, actually. This is a good one, yeah. This this is a good one. Again, this so, doesn't seem as sad as a lot of the other ones. It's like, yeah, well, what are you going to do? Yeah, this this is it. So what happens? So those of you who used to play the old Titan Legions game should know that an Imperator is not just a walking god engine, twice the size of a warlord, but it's also crewed with Skitari, and it has battalions of troops on board to protect yeah, you get like six stands like in it right yeah in the old epic game i think it was six stands yeah absolutely so how does singinus decide to do this because he sees that this imperator is not turning the tide of battle but it's, but it's certainly a symbol it, it is a symbol but it is also having a larger effect than it should be on this corner of a battlefield isn't it so what does singinus do he does the only sensible thing the only thing that of course the sire for blood angels, a legion famed for close assault is going to do. He does a deep strike assault onto it. So himself, plus the Singinui guard, Singinui guard, plus a host of other blood angels who are on other dropships nearby, decides to deep strike onto the Imperator. Now, I love this bit because the Imperator's voids are up as well, aren't they? Oh, yeah. And we know... It's a bit like the, the kinetic shields on Dune. The reason void shields work is because if you're traveling above a certain speed, that is when it will deflect the energy. If you're traveling below a slow, uh, certain kinetic speed, you can pass through the void shields. Sounds easy, doesn't it? So what happens is Singinus orders loyalist legios to fire upon the Imperator to weaken the void shields, so the assaulting jump troops can break through the void shields and land on the Imperator itself. Yeah, it's pretty, uh, that's a good plan. So they break Valdron, in and then they just start slaughtering uh, um, uh, Skitari. But before we break in, we need to mention poor Raldron, first captain <laughs> of the Blood Angels. Because when Sukinus tells them this plan, he's a little bit concerned. And what is Sukinus's answers? Don't worry, Raudron. I don't die today. Yeah, that's Great. a big theme. It's like, yeah, I don't. Uh, that's, I know when I die. I know Horace is going to kill me. Horace isn't here right now. Yeah, that that's reassuring, Check isn't mate. it? Yeah, and that is his constant response to Raudron throughout this entire pretty much campaign, isn't it? It's like, I don't die I don't today. Die today. Wonderful, brilliant. Thanks for that, boss. So we're going to follow. You don't die today, but how many of us will? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> how is this helpful? <laughs> Yeah. This isn't helpful right now. So he drops through. onto the he drops on the Imperator, starts slaughtering his way uh towards the bridge, um, gets to the bridge, uh, and, and then so, yeah, some of the blood angels do bounce off the void shields, don't they? Yeah. <laughs> which I which I found <laughs> quite amusing. Or they get stuck halfway in them, or they get evaporated yeah, by the void shields. Get so in, and it's it's sanguinary guard, it's not like anyone. Yeah. Yeah, in, let's say, well, if a dozen Blood Angels landed on that Imperator, that would be enough. But it's Singinus and his guard landing on that Imperator. Yeah. 
But what's cool is that so they break into the uh, uh, the, the 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 I guess the bridge because this thing well, is big. Fight- it's not just like one guy sitting with like two Murderati. Well, there's fighting on the battlements first, isn't there? Yeah. So that they they clear the battlements and then Sigurus realizes we need to take the head. Yeah. So they get in, uh, but they get confronted by because the first person to notice is the princeps is like, what the hell? Um, and then, uh, but he does have bodyguard. Uh, he has Myrmidons. Phalax. Oh yeah, the Myr- no, it's, yeah, Myr- Myr- it's, it's close combat Myr- yeah. Myrmidons. Yeah. Um, and which are more than equivalent to Sanguinary Guard. Yeah. And what is Sigurus's battle cry? I don't, I don't die, die today. today. I don't die today. <laughs> Fuck you. It's just like yeah. great. But what's cool what's is that Mirbanons do cut down a bunch of them, a bunch of the Sanguinary Guard. Then the Prince is like, "No, kill the Primarch! Kill the Primarch!" <laughs> yeah, like, That's not going to happen, bud. Like, come on. Yeah. That keeps fading those target priority rolls. God damn it! We all remember that from earlier editions of 40k. No, stop shooting at the closest target. Go for a Primarch. So eventually, um, well, Sanguinary takes him out, and and then. Uh, kills most of the crew, and they set up a bunch of melt bombs and uh, jump out the Titan's eye. Yeah, literally smashes through yeah. the eye, doesn't he? he? He does he throw the spear? I think he throws the spear to shatter the eye yeah. and jumps yeah, yeah. out after it, doesn't he? So, so they all get out. Well, a lot of them didn't survive, right. but they took out the Imperator. I, I mean, it's about half of them go down, I think, don't they? Yeah. But if you just calculate in points. <laughs> Yeah. Pretty sure the Blood Angels won that engagement. Yeah, yeah, that, that's a solid That's win. a lot of victory points. <laughs> that's, yeah, absolutely. But you're the definitely, just you're kind definitely of getting your, uh, what is it, uh, um, Legacy of Failure? Or? Price you of Failure. Destroy yeah, super the, heavies. the price of failure. Price of failure, thank you. So you're getting the extra victory points. So they jump out, the whole the head explodes, um, the whole Imperator kind of like lunges forward, uh, but like its weapons are so long that it kind of like props them up. So it yeah. kind of looks like it's it's, it's it's kneeling. It's like the ATA team uh, Empire Strikes Back when the head explodes mm. and it just goes down on his yeah. front legs. It, it's that kind of thing. And Sigurus just flies off. And then to be honest, that's almost the last we hear of Sigurus until right at the end of the book, isn't it? Yep. So, you know, that that's pretty much the last we hear of it. Yeah, but it gives us a good idea of just how, hev- like, how brutal this fighting is. Like, Imperators yeah. are dying left and right here. Well, yeah. that's normal. <laughs> I was going to say, the whole Titans are dying left and right here. Uh, this is absolutely the largest and most brutal Titan engagement in the history of the galaxy. Yeah. Right? There's no oh, other equivalent. The, the only way you can imagine it, imagine if you've seen the film 1917, and when the camera's going down the line of troops charging over no man's land, imagine that but with Titans. That, that's the only way this can be described like this at this stage, isn't it? Oh, it's absolutely... Uh, it, it's 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 The scale of it is beyond... Like, it's hard to imagine it, like, consider the scale yeah. of this. And this is the Titan death, right? Yeah, we tend yeah. to think of beta, of beta Garment in general being the Titan death. No, it's this one battle. That's the Titan death. Yeah. Yeah, that's what finishes all both sides off, really, isn't it? A- apart from one. Um, but we, we'll come back to that. So the battle keeps going on, and eventually the Loyalists do get to Niacin City, don't they? they? We do get to the stage where they're about to finally assault on the Hive. Most of the Hive's defensive weapons have been knocked out, either by Titan weaponry or by assaults by Blood Angels. So it's not as if the Loyalists are going to be able to approach the city with no consequences. There are still point defense systems, but the bigger guns have gone. And we pick up the Great Mother. She's only got 
two of her mana pool left with her by this stage, I think. And they've paired up with a breaching mana pool. Now, the description of the breaching Titan is why do we not have this weapon loadout in AT? Hopefully one day. Remember? Yeah. So what we have is we have a specific breach in Titan. They don't even tell us for class of it, I don't believe. But as well as having its standard loadout of weapons, one arm is a massive ball and chain. And it's not just a ball and chain. That ball, so you know, it, it's a morning star effectively, has got lots of grav imploders on the end of it. So it's not just hitting with the weight of the weapon, it's hitting with all the graviton effects that those of us who play 30k know what haywire does to vehicles and terrain so when this thing hits it's going to have a bit of an impact isn't it so at this point fighting has broken down now into mana pools isn't it they're not cohesive anymore there's no big plan and the great mother and her remaining two titans both warlords have paired up with this breach mana pool and they are there just to give enough cover for this siege titan to get to the walls of a hive and it it does get there. It does take a couple of hits, but it's got enough voids to last. And it's trying to just smash its way. And she mentions, doesn't she, that the moderati on that Titan has to be especially skilled to be able to use the Morning Star ball and chain to its best effect. And they do it, don't they? They they are using this thing effectively and it's smashing the walls down. And it looks like they're breaking through. It is looking like a loyalist victory at this stage, isn't it? Looking good, yeah. Sanguinis killed you know, the, uh, an Imperator, they breached the, the walls. Things yeah, are going they've great. Taken he- they t- they've taken heavy casualties, but... Ho- hopefully they, they, they take the Anvil as well. If the Anvil is taken, then the, the battle is yeah. over. Victory. But let's be honest, any attacking siege force takes horrific casualties. Yeah. You know, take any period of time, take any style of warfare, siege the besiegers take massive casualties to achieve their aims. And you just have to accept that as a matter of siege warfare. So as long as the Blood Angels are successful on the anvil, the orbital plate, everything's fallen into place. So how is that going, JP? Well, uh, so um, Eskelion, uh, his forces keep going further into the anvil, right? This is probably the strategic location identified by uh, Sanguinius needed to be taken for the city to be taken and for victory uh, to be had uh, uh, in the, the beta garment cluster. So they keep going through it. And once again, it's like there's something off. Like the, the sons of horse are not fighting with the kind of um, definitely with zeal, but not with the coordination you would expect. And then as, as Killian kind of realizes like these are penal troops. Yeah. These sons of horse are penal troops. You don't garrison the primary strategic location with penal troops. What the fuck is going no. on here? And finally, break into like the important location, like what, what, like the the, the dock or something. Oh, it's for reactors. The reactors. They, they okay, break reactors. through. They break through to the central reactor room, don't they? And then, and then that's when a skeleton is like, "Oh no!" Because oh, they no. were expecting a massive fight, weren't they? When they got yep. to the reactors, they they had braced themselves for a massive firefight because this is yep. for, and, the, and, the most strategic part of the, of the end. And how many sons of horse were defending? None. It's the classic the door opens, no one there. And they kind of look around and then they hit it's it's for classic Bond villain countdown timer, yeah. isn't it? <laughs> you could just see the timer ticking down and Ascalian goes, We've been we've been fooled. 
evacuate the anvil. Everyone It's out. a trap. It's, it's a trap. The reactors are going to blow, isn't it? That, that's what it's being rigged for. But it's the fact that the War Master has planned exactly how long to take for the battle to be lasting on the planet, for the Blood Angels to get through to those reactors just in time for the reactors to blow. And I what happens Pro- when... I, I, I sense Proterabo's hand in this as well. We know the Iron Warriors are here, right? He needs to calculate exactly how long a defensive yeah. force needs to hold. That's more of a Proterabo yeah. thing. I think it, that's, that's it is, but it's it's, it's got to be Horus's core. Plan. Well, the plan is Horus's. No one's doubting that. Yeah. But I think that, like, although the minutia, that's Pruderabo. Yeah. So as we've seen before, what tends to happen when an orbital plate of this size goes up in flames? Well, I mean, it's 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 Hiroshima. It's. <laughs> yeah, actually, no. That that it, it's it's not even that. That that it, it really is like the equivalent of like of a world destroying explosion. Yeah, it's it's horrific, isn't it? You've got a continental size orbital plate crashing down on the hive city, and once the reactors go up, the messages do go out to the loyalist legios, don't they? And they're told what's happening, and they're just basically yeah, run, run. That's it, and. Those are the people who tell you warlords cannot move quickly. When you shut everything down and do full power to locomotives, those things can shift if they're doing full stride orders as well. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah yeah. They they they're 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 boogieing. They're getting the hell out of there. But even then, yeah. they don't they get they don't get away. And then you have pieces of like debris that are like fucking continent sized pieces of debris that are falling down, just crushing. Maybe not continent sized, but very big. Um, they're crushing uh, 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 warlords. Yeah, well, you've got pieces of the anvil falling through the atmosphere. You've then got the anvil that hits Nyerson City and just obliterates it. So you then have the shockwave of that coming out. So you're not, you're not just having the blast wave. You've then got all the kinetic energy from that as well. You've got all the... Yeah, they're knocking dust down. And... and debris going everywhere. And it literally describes them knocking warlords off the feet, haven't they? And then sending them skidding. And that's where we'll leave the grandmother. So she's been caught up in that. She she yeah, she's did down. turn. She did run, but we know that her Titan is down, don't we? So let's pause her story there and go back to the astropathic choir. Because where we find um oh what's her name? Escher. Escher, yeah. Escher, where we find Escher is typical garrison troops on a boring garrison duty. They're not as focused as they could be, are they? No, but then you get a message. It's like, uh, we're under attack. It's like, what do you mean we're under attack? Uh, one of the yeah. other uh, legios is like, well, we're 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 attacked right now. The 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 the, the war masters here. I think that Nice and City was a ruse. I think this is their primary target. It's like that doesn't make any yeah. sense. Like, well, I don't know what to tell you, but we're going to engage. It's like maybe we should yeah. just defend this area. It's like, no, we're going to go engage. Absolutely. Right. So. Solaria is there with the warp runners, aren't they? With a store, a storeum. Yes, warp the storeum, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. And the seniorist princep, who, because of length of service, has seniority over Escher, decides. And also the size of the Legio. And the size of the Legio as well. Uh, yeah. Decides, well, I'm going to take all of my mana pool and we're going to go to where the city is, the high city is being attacked. Not Nice and City, remember, on Beta Garden 5. So it's um, the one they've been fighting over for all this time. 
And Esther's like, well, no, I'm not going. I'm staying here. This is what we were told to protect. This is where we are going to protect. And they do disagree over it, but the War Runner's Princeps has seniority, so he takes his titans away. Esh is not particularly happy because what we also need to recognise as well is that the environment, the weather in this environment is horrific. And it's not just in the mountains, but it because of the choir itself, all the weather has gone crazy, isn't it? So it's high winds, it's rain. So that's cutting down on sense of rage. They can't really see what's coming. And after a while, they start getting messages back from the warp runners saying that they've been fooled, that this attack is a diversion. But they've had reports that Mortis have landed in force. So and when we say Mortis, again, like how come this, this is what they can't figure out? It's like, okay, so this is a second diversion? Yeah. Who the hell would do two diversions with the majority of their Titans? Like, what's the real attack? Yeah. What, and the real attack would do it. is by Mortis on the Astropathic Choir. Oh. And how many Mortis Titans does he send? Like a hundred? There's a hundred more. It's the entire Legio, oh, isn't it? And the most important thing is that they have not been in combat. They are fully fresh, have yeah. all their ammunition. Uh, they have full strength maniples. They have not been, they had not engaged at all. So no. this is the entire Legio um, in absolutely pristine condition. Whereas everybody else has been bled to death during absolutely. like what, a year at Beta Garmin? Yeah, but it's not just Mortis with them, is it? Nope. Because, yeah, Mortis because... Isn't, isn't the Vanguard. The Vanguard is Hartek. It's, it's and the... his seven yeah. demon possessed friends. <laughs> so that's so they, they get sent in first to like try to blow their, their way in uh, through, the, uh, through the fortifications, right? Yeah. So, but they're, they're not the only force going. So the, the Titans are obviously the bulk of the force. So you've got the 100 Mortis Titans, you've got the eight possessed titans and then a rule around those you've got a sons of horus orbital assault yep again the majority of the legion yeah the absolutely. majority of the legion was not engaged at nysen city those were like punishment battalions yeah so you've got the the core of legion and i love the description because they come in bound down and drop with heavy weapons and taking shots at titans with those heavy weapons now those of you who have played the titan hunting the Titan Hunter stratagem. This is what's going on. You've got your Laz Cannon teams, your multi melter teams, diving around the battlefield, just taking pot shots. They're not going to do much damage, but they are going to strip off a shield here and a shield there, yeah, that's good which enough. other Titans will capitalize on, particularly if that's your last shield remaining. That's awesome. So yeah, so the the War Masters kind of like play. They got <laughs> the Imperials got played. Oh, massively. Absolutely massive. So double, I mean, double uh, you got a, a double feint uh, before yeah. the, the the real attack uh, happens. And everybody, yeah. Sanguinius got completely duped. Uh, all of the Legios got completely duped. Uh, once again, there's a reason that he's the War Master, and it's important to remember it. Yeah, absolutely. Say my now, name. Yeah. <laughs> so what we need to realize is the, the traitor Legios are coming up to ask for Pathic choir from the plains, aren't they? So they have to go up from plains into the mountains. And there are fortifications, but the demon warlords 
basically punch through that. They, 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 they don't even hold back, do they? And they say, actually, Hartek mentions at some point that eight warlords would have been inadequate for a task. Before a ritual, Hartek would have refused, but a bloody recklessness had overcome him. The result of a battle didn't matter to him, only the fight, the chance to spill blood and take heads. So those eight titans do punch through the lower defences, and we get a great description, don't we, of Hartek's titan going toe-to-toe with a, a storing yeah. warlord's titan. Because what we know about the warp riders is they like this stuff too. Yeah. Right? They're, 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 they're a fast legio. Uh, they like to get uh, get into close uh, close combat, um, and so there's a situation where yeah, Legio Storm, um, a, a, a warlord, armed almost the same way as Hartex warlord, um, and 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 so the Storm warlord gets the charge in, tries to get him with his power claw, but uh, Hartex manages to like block him and, and 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 take the power claw. But it should be equal, right? These are two warlord titans. Should- They're pretty much the same. It should be equal, but because of the demon possession, Hertex Titan has got the slight advantage, doesn't it? And he does mention that if you didn't know a Titan, you wouldn't see any difference between the possessed and the regular Titans. Yes. He said if you know Titans, the demon ones move a little bit more fluidly, move a little bit easier. There's something about them which is, for want of a better word, unnatural. Yes, so Hartek and- uh, uh, catches uh, the the Warp Runners' uh, power claw in in his own power claw, and then kind of like uh, I guess uh, uh, charges him and rips the claw off. Yeah, and then fires his carapace laser blasters into the head. Yeah, so he literally mm. decapitates the enemy Titan. <laughs> and again, they should have been evenly matched, but they weren't. Yeah, no, it it goes, and we've seen Titans go head-to-head with each other earlier in the book and we've seen how close that was this wasn't even close was it oh no no he 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 destroyed him he messed him yeah. up so esha and her demi manipul she basically gives the orders of just scatter and cause as much damage as possible she knows they're not going to survive this encounter there's, there's what eight solaria titans against all of these mortis she knows there is no way they're going to get through this battle at all. So she just basically commands her maniple scatter. Just do whatever damage she can. But her yeah, friend, right. yeah, her friend stays close to her, doesn't she? So they're, they're working in tandem. And, you know, Solaria does hit and run tags, like you say. Well, hold on. It's, she... not her, it's not her friend. It's it's her daughter, right? No. In the, war, in the Warhound? Is it Hartek um, and Esha's uh, daughter in the Warhound that no, she kind of disappears? No? The, oh, the right. daughter is on Beta Garmin, I believe. Oh, no, no, she's no, 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 she's, no, no, she's, she's in the Warhound. Yeah, yeah. No, because it is her friend because of what happens later on. But her daughter is also present yes, in that yes, battle okay, in a different Warhound. Yeah. Um, but so like at one point, Escher orders her Reaver to completely power down everything. So they're, they're basically, if you want to use old Cold War submarine tactics, they've gone silent, haven't they? Mm-hmm. they they've, they've gone off. And they wait until an enemy Reaver gets into sight, and then they just do a quick power up obliterate literally alpha strike this reaver and then they run to a different location they they move off but it's moving off into what is effectively a blind alley isn't it they end up on that they meet hair text titan yeah and she and, tries to uh tries to not reason with them but like look we can both survive we just both walk away yeah just walk away from this situation yeah. and, and her friend 
who is in the other, in the other Royal Hound, also knows his hair text Titan, and basically full powers to the locomotives and runs off, leaves leaves her to it, and she feels completely betrayed by this, doesn't she? Because it's always been Lee Joe first, mm. and at the time when she most needed her, she's left and she's run away. So how does it resolve? Because the whole novel has been really building up to this point of these two characters. Well, Hartek's not the same. Once like, more. Escher realized immediately Hartek's not the same. It's not the same person anymore. He does not uh, seem to care. Um, so, uh, and, and and I think she mentions, he mentions something like, uh, like my son that you sent to live with the Mechanicum. And then she has to like admit that, no, honestly, you didn't have a son. You yeah. had a daughter. Uh, and, and, and she's here. Yeah, she's here right now. And... Yeah, she's here on a mountain. But isn't she the one that atta- that attacks him from behind? No, no, that that's her oh, okay. Johanna, I must have missed Jah- that part. Sorry. Yeah, Jahan Jahan is her is her friend because of what. Oh, okay, I I okay, I got that part confused. Anyways, right, so what's happening? So Hartek is is going in for that kill, uh, and then yeah. suddenly you have a situation where uh, you have a a warhound which had kind of powered down and just appeared suddenly. Uh, in behind uh, Hartek's warlord and kind of charges him and and and, uh, and 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 then the only message leads you first and then they both go over the cliff. Yeah, the the classic full power locomotives charge order warhound uh, bomb. <laughs> we've we've <laughs> all seen it happen. Bomb. We've all seen it happen. We've all and those of us who play warhounds, we've all done it. That's a twelve inch charge, full power to locomotives. We're just yeah. going to hit the larger Titan as hard as we can. And then just blow up. Then well, when, 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 when you're up, like maxed they? out your reactor and you go up, you go up. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But, you know, all we see of these two Titans is them disappear off the edge of a cliff. Yep. And we we assume that they are destroyed. But we don't know about that. <laughs> but in the way of every great I like novel, how you're just teasing the best part of the whole book. Yeah. <laughs> but we'll get to that. At, at, but in the way of every great novel, at a time of great tension, you you think you've hit the worst part. Suddenly, we get the next bear worst thing come along, and what happened is the astrographic choir has been brought down. Basically, <laughs> the Titans have been shooting at the cables, holding it up. The Sons of Horus have been assaulting it, and they are collapsing the entire astrographic choir tower. And it's collapsing on, on them. And just so it happens that where Mahana is, that um, or where Escher is, is one when one of the tow cables is. And it snaps out and hits their Titan, doesn't it? Yeah, so this is kind of decimates the entire area. Yeah. Um, like, and this was uh, Horace's uh, goal. What was Horace's plan after all? And I'll explain why I think it's, the, the story is so great. Uh, but like, why, why? what was Horace's plan? Well, before we go on to the Horace's plan, we need to recap what happens with Esther. So she's trying to get away. She's, she's oh, basically yes, of course, of course. mirroring it's her kind mother. Of important. Yes. Yeah, because she's mirroring her mother, isn't it? Well, like her mother was running away from yeah. the anvil collapsing. She's running. Esther is running away from the um, choir collapsing. The Titan can't handle running down a mountainside. So it starts to go over. So they eject the heads, don't they? Yeah, it just leaves all her friends behind. Yeah. Absolutely. They mentioned that specifically. It's just like Jesus. That's cold. Yeah, leaves all the engines here and all the services, but the main moderati and the main um, princeps survive, don't they? They what? Well, 
should survive in the head but because they're running down a hill the head travels a lot further than it should doesn't it and it basically spins out of control and she loses consciousness and she wakes up and realizes she's dreaming or assumes she's dreaming something yeah. weird's going on and she sees the war master the war master is there and he's celebrating his victory with all of his sons isn't he absolutely but just as she's losing consciousness again horus suddenly has a Huge wound erupt on his side. Don't know where he got that from. Yeah, liters of blood. They describe liters yeah. of blood are leaking <laughs> out of the war, war master. Torrents, torrents of blood. And then Sons of Horus all jump in, bundle Horus, as you know, we've, there's a precedent behind this of our leaders injured, mm-hmm. need to get him back. And she loses consciousness again. Interesting. So it would have been so Horus much. Is- it would have been so convenient if this book was after, uh, was before, uh, was after Wolfsbane, not before. Wait, no, it wasn't. Um, right, it wasn't the right order, wasn't it? it? Well, no, yes, it's it's in the right order for Wolfsbane because clearly we know where that injury has come from. Oh, slaves to darkness. But slaves to darkness yeah. is before this, which explains how the wound is then healed. Yeah. So it's out of sequence in that way. But we, we talked in the very first episode about this, about why things were out of sequence. So why was the destruction of the astropathic choir so important? And we do get Singinus explain this, don't we, at the end. We'll talk about his view on the end of the Titans as well. But we need to clarify why the destruction of the choir was Yeah, why was this was horse's it. plan? And, and, and it's the... a mini rune storm. Exactly. So... Uh, uh, they they managed to get rid of the original runestorm, and it was petering out anyway. I think, if I if I understand correctly, yeah. but they managed to get rid of it at Davin, um, and uh, but Horus created a mini one. Just the that um, that number of of deaths in the astropathic choir completely like messes with the the warp around here. It makes it almost Absolutely. impossible to have any kind of communications um, yeah. between uh, the forces outside of uh, this area of the Imperium. Right, we're pretty much almost at the solar uh, system um yeah and and anywhere else so yeah you've created a mini rune storm and also you've destroyed pretty much all of the opponent's titans now you've destroyed most of your own as well but who cares we know that the uh, siege terror isn't going to be an well, engine war anyway and your most important ones we, are still there they were never engaged absolutely and let's face it they didn't fight that many enemy titans so they weren't taking heavy casualties either so you you've still got an induct an intact Titan EJ. What I do like is in this final section where Singinus is looking over devastation is the description of what the Mechanicum is doing to strip all the yeah. Titan. <laughs> and well, it, uh, the, the, this happens on both sides, right? So uh, on the one hand, on Beta Garmin 5 and on Beta Garmin 3, where there was the Titan death, you have these giant like assembly lines that are just kind of like combing over the battlefield. And also you have kill squads of of blood angels that are just scouring the battlefield, executing uh, traitor uh, uh, titan crews. Yeah, and, and and yeah, they're trying to find things that are, are are usable. But then you've got the adeptus mechanicus that they are now, literally stripping titans anything yep. they can take, armor plates, power down reactors or saving mm-hmm. reactors. If they can recover the titan, they are trying to recover the titans as well. But they point out that so many of the titans have been lost completely oh yeah like but most not... of them have, have nothing left uh, i mean no. when again this is one of those situations where it's not just a titan that like kind of gets damaged and falls down or loses power 
Um, no, the, most of them went nuclear. No. And we do get a cutaway to the Great Mother, don't we? Because she was one of the Titans that's recovered. And mm. somehow she is still alive. Yeah, However, no. we get this really nice moment. And I thought the description of this was really good. And they talk about how she's dying, but she's going to become one with the machine spirit. And we get it from her perspective as well. So we get her soul, for want of a better word, passing into the warp. It's surrounded by warp entities who are coming in to rip it apart. Because, you know, that's the great life, the imperial truth. And then this huge machine spirit comes from behind it and protects it and absorbs her into the machine spirit, doesn't it? Yeah. But as for the Legio itself, there's, well, about a dozen of them left. Titans, yeah. I, I think they, they mentioned uh, that there might be like 30 crew or something like that. Yeah. Like 30 crew They've recovered the ones from Beta Gamma 5 as well that was left, including Escher. They've lived, literally cut her out the head. It's her daughter who cuts her out the head, isn't it? And they, they get out, but she remains in a, Escher remains in a coma because she tells them about Horus collapsing. Yeah, and she, she thinks point, they won. So it's like, Horus is gone. Horus is dead. Yeah. We're good. And everyone's like, no, we're bugging out. Yeah. <laughs> we're going now. And that's also when we get a fundamental change in Legia Slaria. Because one of yes. the last orders by the Great Mother is you now need to start taking, we need to rebuild the Legio. Legio first. We need to rebuild the Legio. You need to start taking on male moderati and male princeps. Well, the main thing is that uh, the the knights, uh, the knight house, households um, uh, uh, from their homeworld are going to get tricked again. Right? Yeah. The, 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 the women have, have, have controlled the Legio since the first, those first inductees, right? They've been either. Um, clones or yep. they've been natural born children but it's all been like based on that original um a uh, bunch of inductees but you're gonna have to go back to the home world and and get more people and and the the, the knights they want they want a share of of that uh, sweet god machine action and uh you're not going to be able to keep it an exclusively uh, female uh legio anymore no so uh, once again as we see in the siege series it's that stepping stone from 30k to 40k, isn't yeah. it? So we we get that transference. And, you know, it was nice to draw a line underneath that at the end of Titan Death, so we do get that transference. But they're not the only Legio, or they're not the only Titans to be recovered, are they? No. So back on Beta Garmin 5, uh, the, um, what is his name, Protos? Uh, like yes. the, the dark mechanicum guy, he's like desperate trying to recover those eight titans, right? The the, the eight that yeah. they created for corn with the because uh, they all went down. Yeah, they all went <laughs> they down. They all went down, and they keep finding it's like ah, oh, this one's smashed to pieces, and the demon like left because this is a big battle, right? Like this is the the war master did take casualties here. The, yeah, mainly absolutely. not and, Mortis, but like these guys definitely did. And don't forget those eight titans were the point of a spit. So they they yeah, were yeah, taking exactly. the brunt of they were taking the brunt of the fighting. So they're they're so they're going over, they're combing over, trying to find it, and eventually it's like, oh my god, there's one that might actually be active. They have like a signal or something. It's like dig, 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 dig. And, and then you have uh Hartek who's uh uh right now he's in the realm of chaos. Yeah, he's literally fighting battles with bloodthirsters. Sometimes he's a bloodthirster, sometimes he's a regular human, sometimes he's like a a uh, like something else, um, yeah. but he's just fighting in in the realm of corn, um, and eventually gets woken to reality. And realizes, oh god, I'm in, I'm 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 buried alive, aren't I? 
he's also aware of what the title is now looking like from the inside, isn't it? So it describes that everything's turned to flesh and bone, yep. that he's <laughs> one with a chair. You know, he's he's no longer just sitting in it. He's actually absorbed into the chair in this, in basically a meat sack, isn't he? Um, and it's horrific. And But there's also that conscious of, hang on, the reactor's cold, but the Titan is I'm moving. still moving, yeah. Yeah, it's that dawn realisation that uh, this should not be working. Nothing on here should be functioning, but we're moving, we're doing things. And that's when light comes into it, because it, the, it's buried. It's been buried under rocks, hasn't it, where the choir's collapsed. And light starts coming through the, the window lenses. And the Warlord Titan, although at this point we should no longer call it a Warlord Titan, should we? No, no, we we'll, call, we'll explain what it is in a minute. Yeah. When, we, when we explain it, we'll tell you what it's called. And it just well, as, soon as, as soon as they started describing it, I knew, I knew where we were going. I knew where we were going. And then there's one detail. It's just like, oh, yeah. Yeah. Because it just erupts from underneath the rubble, doesn't it? We get the description of the head literally melting like wax and reforming into a demonic visage. We get the the power. The head, the, the head starts coming claw. backwards into the um, like the flesh head, right? It starts going backwards into the cockpit and absorbs yep. Artek. Um, and and as but he's trying to get out, he's trying to get out. Um, but it's like teeth start like biting into him and everything like that. And then he just screams forever. Yep. But there's one other physical change for the Titan. There's another big physical change. So there's a couple of like minor ones. For example, Volcano Cannon gets like a mouth at the end of it. Yeah. Like teeth around it. And yeah, this, it, its plates are like reforming and turning to bone. And and uh, like it, it, as it's erupting into it, it's completely changing. The Dark Mechanicum are on their uh, uh, on their knees worshiping uh, what they see as this holy uh, uh, th- th- this holy transformation. This uh, apothe- apotheosis, if you will, but the, yeah, the big yep. detail is what a massive tail erupts yes! from the back of a titan. It's a bane now, lord, it's absolutely. the first bane lord. Yep, for those of us who played the old epic game, as soon as we saw the tail description, I was like, We know what you are, don't we? Oh, it's so great! Yeah. Best part of the book, best part of the book. So great. Oh, I wouldn't go necessarily. Okay, what's that your best part of the book? Um, I, I still like, delight. I, I like the heavy infantry attack in part two, where you get all the, the, the mind turned yeah, heavy infantry attacking the Titans. That that yeah. that to me was the best thing. But that's it, that's that's the end of yeah. Titan Death, isn't it? Yep. I think that this is Easily in my top five. Uh, uh, like we might want to rate them at the end when we finally get through all of them. Oh only God! One left, Are we? Uh, <laughs> mm. Fulgrim. We only have one more book left. Oh, Fulgrim is so fucking Um, I'm just saying that. Uh, like this is one of the best books in the whole series. It is so different than the rest of them. Uh, did you yes. read the uh the author's uh epilogue? Yes. Yeah. It, and it is important to read that, I think, because it really puts yeah. context into why this book was created. What yep. was the purpose behind this book? Um, it almost never happened, it which I, I think is intriguing yeah. that they didn't think they had space for it. And the only reason they wound up doing it is because they were, again, uh, they were they were producing uh, Titanicus, the game. And they were like, well, we should have a tie-in book. And and this is an important battle. This is one of the few books, and honestly, there's not that many, maybe like a a, ha- a dozen, because it's a long series, but maybe like a dozen books that really change everything. This changes everything. The, the Titan yeah. shows are never the same after the Titan death. 
No, this this is probably out of a lot of the later heresy books, one for a few outside the Siege of Terror that we start to see the development of the 40k universe rather than the end of the 30k universe. It's like binary succession. Uh, it, yes. Or, yeah, succession. There, 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 are, there are these stories that kind of like we get an idea of how things change the way they are. But like you'll never see, the galaxy will never see this kind of, of Titan War again. It, it's just impossible. They're just, these cannot be replaced. Uh, what is lost at, at Beta Garmin cannot be replaced. It is no. a brilliant like story. The characters are fantastic, and I think it just makes it better that you know these are characters with human characteristics, if you will. Um, and we don't see as much, unfortunately. Um, and the other thing that that Gaheli points out in his epilogue is that he really wanted to do the Allegiance Solaria to have uh, some women characters that are way too often like not major parts of the story or kind of secondary or, or only kind of exist in based on the relationship with male characters. Uh, yeah. It, I mean, it's refreshing to it? read. So previous strong female characters we've had is Latara Sarin, obviously. Yeah, um, Keeler, Mercedes Oliton. So those yeah, are but really none, the none of them have controlled a, well, okay. Latara Sarin does control the conqueror. That's pretty cool. But like, I, I, I think this was an, um, uh, uh, th- this was refreshing as a story. Uh, it, it was, I think, yes. a mature story. It had like a surprisingly mature relationship between two people. Um, uh, that uh, we don't see that much in this universe. No, nope. you're um, perfectly correct. Uh, I, I thought that it was a good balance between character development, legio development, or lore development, and action. I mean, that last third of a book is pretty much constant fighting. It's, it, it, but it doesn't feel like boulder porn. It never feels repetitive. No, it's no. always like re, uh, a fresh, exciting, and the scale of it is absolutely like it, it's awe inspiring. And the twist when you realize what the horse had, uh, what, what the horse, what the war master had uh, well, in, in store for you, it's like, oh my god, that's so messed up. Yeah. And then there's another twist. Uh, the, you do feel the shock at the same time as the Scallion, don't you? When, when the Scallion you realizes that the reactor's going to blow, you do yeah. go, did I just read that right? Oh, shit. Ooh. Yeah, you get that feeling. It's like, oh, shit. Um, but I'll tell you my favorite part uh, of this uh, of this particular story um, is that we've seen the War Master prove himself before. Moloch is the best example. Grant McNeil's work with the Battle of Moloch yeah. was, was spectacular. Um, uh, in particular, because you have an idea of where everything is happening and how the strategy is is operating and that it works uh, uh is, is i think great what i like about this is that horse is not a viewpoint character no one around horse is a viewpoint character no one in the story has any idea what horse is planning um until they are subjected to it usually the no, viewpoint not- character will will be the one that has the brilliant plan that works out in this particular case uh, a character that shows up for five seconds and is literally shown collapsing that's the character that plays everyone yeah really? and i've i've mentioned before i i've said this on the podcast multiple times that for such a central character as horus is actually you don't have much screen time of him and you don't see much of his tactical genius you don't see many of the reasons why he's made Warmaster outside the original trilogy outside of vengeful spirit Titan Death is pretty much the only other time you see the reasons why he was made Warmaster. Uh, in the main series, yes. But 
I, I would definitely add to that uh, Solar War. Oh, the, his plan yeah. in Solar is just super. Yes, yeah, but that's Siege of Terror. That's different. That that's yeah, when we're different. starting that's different, yeah. to see. That's when we start to see Horus without trying to give away too many spoilers at the apex of his power, but still having some issues. Yeah. <laughs> and also, Per Travo is a massive factor behind the Siege of Terror campaign. I personally but think we'll he's, talk- a, he's a massive factor behind this, but we don't know. Again, because they're not viewpoint characters. Absolutely. The only traitor viewpoint... There's only two viewpoint characters in this. Uh, well, three. Right? Yeah. Well, even with Sanguinius, we don't have much of an insight. Yes, Sanguinius, yeah. Uh, apologies, yeah. So... Um, but, but at the end of the he... day, uh, this is yeah, yeah. So you have one on the on the trader side. That's Hartak, and he's kind of unreliable, especially towards the end. I I think that you look at this as like, and and this is undisputedly, undisputedly a a tactical a strategic masterpiece by Horus. The war yeah. is over, and they, they have to like, and after that, Sanguinius has to call uh, Malkador and to say, well, it's over. Yeah, prepare, I mean. Prepare they... to... Prepare to the defenses of Terra because we lost. Let's let's be fair. The loyalists always knew they were going to lose Beta Garmin. Yeah, but they thought but that I they don't could think... bleed Horus more than they did. Yeah, I don't think that's that's the point I was going to make. I don't think they thought they were going to lose Beta Garmin in such a spectacular way, and lose all their Titans doing it. And yeah, absolutely. And that Horus still has his the most important you know, fundamentally, part. Fundamentally, arguably, we know that the the Soul campaign is about a year about about nine months to a year so if they could have held off at beta garmin for just six more months that means terror would have been reinforced much faster by the ultramarines of the dark angels yep, absolutely and oh. yeah, at that point life becomes much harder for the traitors and they're fighting a defensive campaign uh, the uh, uh, the uh, the loyalists are they're fighting a defensive campaign and a campaign of attrition and they have they're not massively outnumbered uh, by by the war no. master um, and so things are things look good when you think about it if you're going to try to find that that campaign but they wind up losing disproportionate amounts of their resources yeah like it, it, and you have a situation where the only side after this attrition campaign that has a fully functional legio is Horus. Yeah, and if you want to know what happens to those, you need to read Mortis. Yeah, we'll get to Mortis soon. We will get to Mortis because what is nice is that some of the threads from Titan Death are picked up in Mortis as well. So, although we've finished this novel, we haven't finished with some of the story arcs. No, but anyways, just generally speaking, utterly brilliant book, one of the best of the series. Uh, I was also thinking is when I was um, uh, finishing it up, uh, I was thinking this would be a book that I would recommend to someone that has never read any of the heresy books. It's one of the, late, uh, it's one of the last ones. Um, yeah. Because I don't think you need that much of extra information. These are new characters for the most part. Uh, yeah. You don't need to have know that much extra detail. And it tells you a lot of what you need to know. Horus. Just, I would agree with that. It, it's, it, 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 it feels that it functions well as a standalone story in a way that too many of the book, these books don't. That I, I would agree with that. You, you don't need a large amount of context to understand yeah. this. You could enjoy this for just the story it is. Yeah, utterly brilliant. Anyways, so that's, uh, I, I think that's the end of our discussion of Titan Death. Uh, 10 out of 5 stars. Just great book. Absolutely. And 
if you walk away from this book without wanting to play Adeptus Titanic, yeah, what's wrong with you? What's wrong? You are dead inside. Yeah, you're dead inside. Oh yeah, man. Like it's it's it ties in so well, but it's done in a way that's subtle. It doesn't feel feel over uh, overbearing. Just a great book. All right, let's move on to two week coffee challenge. All right, welcome to two week coffee challenge. Uh, uh, Darren, what have you uh, been up to since last we recorded? Uh, I'm assuming a lot because that was like a month ago. Yeah. So, I mean, the main things I've been working on. So, um, I've been working on some Iron Circle. We're, we're on the varnish stage of that now. So, varnish and decals. I'm hoping to finish those hopefully this week. And then that will be my Zomal Tyler's Eye Warriors Force completely done. Nothing else to add to those. So that that's quite a good. And the Iron Circle, they're, they're nice kits, but they are intensive kits to work on. They're, they're resin kits. There we go. I've also been working on some uh, Tau, Aeronautica Imperialis, because that is a great little game. Um, I've also been building some Rough Riders that, that may be influential from this episode slightly, although they're not Tauntauns. Um, and... Just recently come back from a gaming weekend with some friends. So oh, lovely. We... How'd it go? Yeah, it was good. So look, lots of little games, mostly Necromunda. So a couple of games of Necromunda. We also played Space Hulk. And it's been years since we played Space Hulk. And it's easy to forget what an amazing game that is. So, so the rules are so simple, but they're so effective. Thoroughly enjoyed it. So we had two missions on that. So we played the same mission and swap sides because... That's where you need to do Space Hulk, because if you're a Marine player, you don't tend to have a fun time in the last third of the game. Yeah. Yeah, not really. But it, it's good fun. I mean, yeah. But I had um, a sergeant with Thunderhammer and uh, Storm Shield, and he took out about six or seven Gene Steelers in Close Assault before being dragged down. <laughs> awesome. he, he was a good boy. Well he did a good job that day. He did a good... He earned his place in the chapter histories. But yeah, so that's that's that. I mean, it's it's mainly just finishing projects off before starting on uh, the next batch. But yeah, and oh, being undercoating my board and actions train, which is a large job because there's a lot of it. So what about you? you you've been not thirty k, and have you still? Uh, no. But... Uh, well, I've been mainly. Uh, uh, one of the reasons that this episode's so late is I've been. Uh, uh, I've been mainly uh, doing the educating. Uh, of people summer semester is brutal uh it is a very compressed well, schedule but i did manage to get some hobby done I, uh, I i decided to sit down and work on uh my gourd reapers for don't look back so i painted uh well i'm almost done i still got to base them but i painted gourd reaper one gourd reaper two uh gourd reaper gourd reaper three in, involves uh four uh, uh gourlets which are uh, smaller parts of the uh like spirits that are, are part of the uh, uh wider Gord Reaper uh, curse and four jack-o'-lanterns, which are uh, important because you need to smash them in the game to uh, destroy the spirit of the Gord Reaper. So that's what I've been doing, and it's been fun. It's a good little game. It does look a lot of fun, that. Like, it's really fun. I it have really to say, I, it does look like a lot of fun. Indie games for life. I'm still play 30k, but I'm having fun with this. Um... All right, so that's what I've been up to. Not too bad, I think. Um, to end the show today, I will be playing a show. Uh, I will be playing a uh, song by uh, the Obsidians that have a new album. This is not a 40K uh, theme metal event. It's actually my brother's uh, 
surf band. Uh, so I am going to take advantage of this uh, Tribune to plug my uh, brother's project. Uh, it's great stuff. I've played it on the show before, but they have new album out. So check out the Obsidians. Lots of fun. And what are we doing in the next episode? Uh, part two of Militia. Part two of Militia? And... Yeah, well, we we need to talk about the actual units. Now, we've, we've done the provinces. Yeah. Tauntauns. Um, and we need to start talking about the actual units and the fun things you can do with Sentinels and Cargo 8s. Yes, you can You can make your Mad Max army. <laughs> uh, yes, absolutely. We'll do that. Uh, I guess we're going to do a palette cleanser. Um, do you want to do the Rogel Dorn Primark book? Uh, we can do. Yeah, we can do that. Because I, I bought that recently. I haven't read it yet. No, because and, and then we'll get on to the the, the, the final the final story. Oh, and the final story is, um, is it hidden or buried? And that that's why I'm asking you. I believe it's buried dagger, isn't it? It's buried. Da- um, it's hidden dagger. It's in dagger. Fuck six. It's the final one. Yeah, the final series. book. We're gonna do the final book. It's yes. Trust us. Yes. Yes, we are. It, it involves yeah, so- a dagger. Absolutely. So we'll do Rogel Dawn. We'll do Rogel Dawn as our palette yeah, cleanser, and then we'll do the final book of the Heresy series. Whose name, we're not clear. Eventually we'll figure it out. Um, <laughs> Dagger. Yeah. Uh, so that was episode 135. And as usual, thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.